Alright, hello and welcome to the Fangamer Podcast. This is episode number 85, better known this episode as our Game Club podcast for Link's Awakening. What is yeah. Game Club, you may ask? Game Club is where we get together and we play an old video game together, kind of like a book club, and decide, is this game good? Is it a classic? Should I tell my friends to get it? Is it worth playing? Is it better than Shadow of the Colossus? Which always ends up happening, because that's the first game we did. But anyway, we try and look at it a little more analytically, take some notes, talk about the good and bad of the game, and really make a good recommendation on how we feel about it at the end. So, this this time around, Link's Awakening for Game Boy Advance, not Game Boy Advance, original Game Boy, and then Game Boy Color, uh, to talk about... 3DS? To talk about this game with, with us today, we have... Let's see, let's start with longtime co-host to the podcast, Benjamin Kerrigan. Say hello. What up? And then joining us, happy video game nerd here again. Just finished some cereal, feeling powerful. Yeah. Derek Alexander. Hey, I'm Derek. I I uh, got that. Oh, some behind the scenes stuff for the folks at home. I got the hour wrong. We were gonna yeah. record this. I just woke up about like <laughs> 40 minutes ago, I think. So I, I'm my bed is right behind me. So I. <laughs> That's where he was. 40 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I was sleeping. Happy. Happy Sunday morning, town. Yeah. Okay, so anyone who is listening, we are doing this as a live recording in front of a Twitch TV studio audience. We've got a lot of people in the chat today, and we can see. We actually do, yeah. It's, it's calling some people. Up. got Marty's here. But, oh, Butsukoi, buddy. Butsukoi. High five. Uh, Ezreal UFO. Kirby. Oh, DJ Katan is here. Guys. What? 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 Blowing it up. Great Templar, Dark Saturn. Hype. Hype. <laughs> Not a, you guys, your names are too hard for me to say. Guizkion, Guizkion, Kaiwaya, Kevin Chai, Mognite, <laughs> Onion Man, Seven Seven PK, Jobus, RCM Woodward, Rickard, Rickard is here. Rune Devros, Charlie's here. Audio Candy Man here. Tyler's here. Zafe. I wonder if Rickard like actually listens to our podcast without Derek, <laughs> or if he just not. listens every week because I mean Derek I don't seems listen unless it's got me on it. That's yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Let's get times. Okay. Let's get started with a little what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing besides Zelda. And then we'll get... Oh, wait. No, first, where's Liz? Because people already asked that and already answered it earlier. But anyway, people listening at home... She's running a marathon. No, I think her <laughs> mom's sure. walking a marathon. Yeah. Her mom's in town. There's an event she's going to watch her mom participate in. So she's not going to be here for this one. She might join us for the last half of Game Club. If not, the week after that, for sure. And uh, yeah, so that's where Liz is this week. And uh, yeah, so now let's get back into what what he has been up to since we last talked. Let's start with Derek because it really hasn't been that long since nah, you were last nah. year. How's your album doing? How's, how's it Man, going? No complaints yeah. on the release of the album. We did. Uh, I know we're still a little band, so you know we got smaller numbers to worry about here. But we did 500 downloads in uh, 24 hours. I'm really really happy with that. That so is your mom like super proud of you now? Uh, because she was she was good with 100, right? Yeah. Or that was Calvin's. Yeah, that was Calvin's. Uh, I, I don't think I've actually told my mom. I don't know. See, I'm the youngest. <laughs> my mom doesn't know what I do. I'm the youngest child, so like, Calvin's the only child. So she, I, that he's the only mm. son that does impressive things for her. Like, my mom's got two other kids. <laughs> Whatevs. Oh. So she's They're just all like, yeah, that's cool, son. Yeah, yeah I have a bro- I have a brother who's got uh, has got two kids. Oh damn! Oh. How do you, that's all moms want is grandkids. Yeah, I can't compete with grandkids, oh, dude. Tell me about it, Jesus. Yeah, 500 oh, grandkids, grandkids that listen to my music. <laughs> Shut up, Bob. I hate you. I love you. <sighs> yeah. Oh, hey, Calvin's in the chat, too. <laughs> this is the only time he'll ever be listening to this podcast. 
<laughs> Calvin, <laughs> I just want you to know we're going to talk about video games. If you're sorry, okay with that. In anime. In anime. anime. Okay, that's what Derek, I have you had any have you had any time to play games this week besides Zelda? Yeah, actually, um, I got some uh, Xbox Live Arcade games. I was playing oh, through about uh, this Scott Pilgrim nice. proper. Nice, yeah. nice. Scott Pilgrim is awesome. I've never played it like really past like the first few levels. You're saying you had some things that you didn't quite like about it. I was wondering what were the things that were detracting for you. They get, you start out the game like just walking so slow, and when mm. you get hit, you get stunned, or you, you're on the ground for like a really Breaks long your time. Flow. It just yeah. Kind of hurts, yeah, hurts the flow. I think the reason why they do that though is uh. It works better with pe- with like other people, and I was it just does. playing by myself. Yeah, but and, it and is that's a bit totally alleviated when you have a buddy. And it, oh, and yeah. it's totally alleviated as you progress. Like, yeah, when you're you like up. full powered and like you get all the video games and books and stuff to up your stats, you're pretty good. Like, it plays really fluidly. It's just that beginning. Like, I had never played it by myself until I bought it just recently, and, and it is really slow to a detriment. All the four player. Good time. That's a lot of fun. It's just like playing Ninja Turtles back in the day, but much better. Far more polished. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What other XBL games? You've been playing that Bastion? Bastion? No, I've been trying to oh, play catch up. So uh, I, I needed to get um needed to get Perfect Dark. I need to get my own copy of Perfect Dark. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, all uh, right. So good. That that copy is so good. Um, and uh, I bought myself a dinosaur. Okay. What? I got a pet, got a stegosaurus. That's a good really? about that. Yeah. Like, in a video game, or do you own a Stegosaurus? For, for, no, no. Well, <laughs> in the video game, unfortunately, <laughs> I've got I've got a pet robot, so that's good enough. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's yeah, my Stegosaurus. You can when, when on my Xbox Live. It's called like, my Stegosaurus. It's like a pet you can buy, <laughs> and it's really cool. He appears and you pet him, and then like he just produces like a leaf behind his back and he feeds. Oh, you mean like for your Xbox Live avatar guy? Yeah, it's oh. so, it's super, <laughs> super like, adorable. What game is this? Derek Alexander oh. buys a dinosaur. It's the like game. N- Nintendo's. So, but you're you're catching up on XBL games, you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay, chat. I heard a lot about that Bastion, though. Make some recommendations, old and new. My one, and I, you will love it, because I think you, you like Super Metroid, right? Fan of Super Metroid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, insanely you, you gotta Twisted play. Shadow Planet? Uh, not what's it called? I just lost Shadow Complex, not oh. Planet Shadow Complex. Uh, it's just like a spiritual successor with modern technology. Pretty good story. It's it's an amazing game. It's one of the few, maybe two or three games I've ever. When I finished it, started mm-hmm. over and played it on a harder difficulty, and then when Wait. I finished it, started over and played it again. Twice, three yeah. or four times That's in a row awesome. for like two weeks. Just played it. Yeah, it's I heard so it didn't. Isn't that okay. like a, a Ghost in the Shell game? No, it's like Super Metroid, straight up. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's pretty much uh, Super gotta... Metroid. And um, a game was just released. It's a pretty dumb title, but it's Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet. I don't know if it's by the same people, but it's also a very Metroid-style game, and apparently it's really, really good. I forget the name of the publisher. I was just playing it the other day. Let's see, what are people recommending here? Do they recommend anything yet? Nintendo. Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet? Yeah. And I think Got they're it. behind us a little bit. The chat, so Nintendo yeah. Source 3DS. So yeah, that's, that's probably my one of my favorite games on there. Um, I mean, there's all like the classic ones, but the other yeah, one I, I played the most. Some Doom too. I love me some Doom. Uh, also, <sighs> I need to get Super Meat Boy and Limbo proper. I worry about those. Ports, I've never actually though. played all the way through Braid. I played about the first half of Calvin. Still never played Braid. Yeah, I always worry really about good. like 
the the Ooh. ports like doom and those things because sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not like hexen i forget if that one was the the the, yeah. the i know the port for doom is really good the port okay. for wolfenstein 3d however is not good but it only costs 400 points well that's not bad well wait what's 400 xbox points in real money was it like two dollars three dollars yeah, yeah. some weird conversion people Whatever. talking about a uh, street fighter 3 third strike coming in a couple weeks i'm excited for that what are some other recommendations? XBLA games, guys. XBLA games. Oh, I got the, uh, I haven't had a chance to play it much, but I got Breath of Death 7, the beginning, which is an indie game. Oh, that Sam, Samurai I remember dishwasher. my dude, an old friend of mine, Lee, who does a show called Still Gaming a long time ago, did a, a quickie on that game. And I was mm. like, all right, one of these days. I remembered it and I got it, but I haven't had a chance to really crack it crack it open. There, there's apparently a game that everyone should play, says Peter Berkman of Anamanaguchi, on the uh, XBLA indie arcade called Blocky, spelled like hockey with a B and I'm on an it. L. And okay. it's just like this really like Microsoft Paint graphics like hockey game <laughs> that is apparently really terrible. And Did they everyone port should over try your uh, combat the bear? The oh. bear who drives the... I don't think Enviro Bear is on a console Bear. other than an <laughs> iPhone <laughs> right now. Oh, I remember that game. Uh, oh, yeah, Tactics just came out on iPhone the other day that uh, I've been playing it. Are we doing, like, video game news right now? What's happening? No, I just... Oh, okay. People were recommending Thulu games. Saves oh. the World is the sequel to Breath of Death. Okay. Dude, oh, Banjo-Kazooie, cool. Dr. Saturn, the Banjo-Kazooie port that they have for XBLA, spot on. It's so good. They got the yeah. stop and swap in there? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no Banjo Kazooie, I think actually aged pretty well on oh, yeah. N64, but Banjo Tooie is is pretty slow and boring. I can't get into it, so I might actually get Banjo Tooie. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, any other games, Derek? I got the new Earth Defense Force game, so I'm, I'm I picked up the old and uh, Earth Defense Force game. Mm-hmm. And I still think that game is amazing, mm-hmm. even though kinda... it is is very technically a bad game. Yeah. It is actually the best game. <laughs> Yeah, it's had. I think Jade was telling me about it. Like, oh, it's so good and it's so bad all at once. It's like you know, it reminds me. It reminds me of when you would go to your friend's house after school, after elementary school, and you'd all go in the backyard and you get toy guns and you were all playing. <laughs> you're all like shooting stuff, and it's, it really is just like this. It is the adolescent male mind made into a video game. That is awesome. <laughs> that's really oh, appealing. That's awesome. All so right. cheesy, and it's so much fun. Ben, what have you been doing? What are you doing this week? Playing stuff? Watching stuff? Uh, I haven't been really doing much. I've been watching a little bit of anime. I made some chiptunes. Oh, yeah. And, um, new beat Oh, I heard there. that new track, dude. Which I heard one? the new track. I, I was yet. digging the uh, rhythm section on it. The noisy one? Yeah. Oh, really? Some good, Thank you. Good, some good experimenting going. Not a cohesive song, but some really Not cool really. shit going on. Yeah, I was just really just playing around with commands and trying to make cool stuff happen, and I think it did. So, yeah, cool. Thanks. When's the EP coming out, Ben? I don't know! <laughs> what about two, three songs? Four songs? Um, like, eh, I'd say like name. two and a half. Yeah, uh, but you, I don't you know. still need a name. DJ Harry Potter. DJ Harry Potter. Minus Bieber. Harry. Space Boyfriend. Who knows? <laughs> Space boyfriend. I <laughs> that might be like it. That. that might be it. 
<laughs> DJ Katan's space, space boyfriend. boyfriend from the future, but kind of the past. Space boyfriend bit, in space. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, oh, okay. space boyfriend. I thought I was like, space boyfriend. Like, he's a space boy and he's my friend. I kind of like boyfriend. that. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll kick it around. I think I'll make it three words. Space boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good. All right. We've been playing any, uh, any games this week? Link's Awakening. Zelda. <laughs> Just a lot uh, of Link. Yeah, I really haven't been on the video games. I've been freaking out about health. That's pretty much it. Oh, right. Headaches. Headaches. You, you feeling better? Getting more sleep? Um, I've more so come to terms with it more than I am having panic attacks <laughs> about it now. accepted your so illness, I'm good. and now yeah. I've moved on. I've accepted the fact that I feel like, I don't know, there's some weird stuff going on in my brain piece. All right. Well, keep us updated on that, Ben. The, the uh, head noggin noodle, as I like to call it. I've been doing... <laughs> Got some oh. noggin issues. Gosh, you know, I, I've been trying to finish this Ghostbusters, oh. and uh, why bother? Right? I put the yeah, I put the difficulty at like the middle, like experienced or normal, and I assumed that was going to mean I would enjoy it. Mm. <laughs> but the the combat it doesn't make it difficult in a rewarding way, where you can overcome it and master it. It's just it's just harder and not a way that you get good feedback on what you're doing wrong, and so it makes it not so much fun. So I'm like at the very end, but. I have no motivation to finish it up. Um, let's see. But I've actually been watching a lot of stuff. I picked up all three first three seasons of Breaking Bad. Oh, huh. And I've been watching through those because Breaking Bad's a great show, but, man, it's heavy. It's I've never seen it. It's really good. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. The basic premise is a uh, chemistry teacher who ends up having to um, – who ends up slinging meth to pay for some medical bills of his. All right. And it's That's really happy. good, but uh, Breaking Bad. But it's just really, really heavy and gets a little, yeah, a little, little sad. But, um, but I've been watching a lot of stuff this week, a lot of stuff. And that's, that's what I want to talk about here. After Derek answers his phone or, or whoever's it's calling. It's Pat the NES Punk and he just stopped calling me. <laughs> Uh, why'd you get up in the middle of the podcast, Derek? I'm here. <laughs> you get up and leave. Oh, oh he just came back. Oh, just came back. No, just no, come back. no big deal. No big deal. Sorry. Hey, I'm just returning the favor. I get to walk away once while you're talking. <laughs> oh, that's two, man. That's two. Um, okay. Right. So last. Blame Pat the NES Punk. Stop it. Stop it, Pat. <laughs> last time, uh, let's see. Derek, I think, was on the show, or maybe not. Uh, Let's see, who was it? Rune Devros said, if I suggest an anime oh, for yeah. you, will yeah. you watch it? And I did. He suggested Natsume Yujinko. Yeah. Okay. You did it. I watched three, maybe four episodes of that show, and it is not good. I'm mm, sorry. Would you say it it's not, not good or it's not your cup of tea? Again? It is not good anime, at least the first four episodes, and here's why. Here's why. Okay. The the story, the the part that's supposed to be like, yeah, I want to find out what's going on. Premise. Let me sum this up for you because you'd be like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool, right? This kid can see ghosts. He's Haley Joel Osment. Basically. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm, he can I'm, see I'm ghosts. In. Other that's people cool. can't see ghosts. Turns out Bruce his, like, his grandma, she also could see ghosts. And these ghosts think he's his grandma. Which is, I don't know, I would take that as a personal offense as he doesn't look like a woman, but whatever. <laughs> so he can see ghosts. It turns out that his grandma is like, uh, she Wilkes. captured ghosts and keep those spirits in her book and would use them for protecting her and such, right? So his grandma turns out to kind of be a jerk because these ghosts are now like, can't go off to the afterlife. They're, mm. they're stuck in this book, this book of friends, right? So 
he has taken upon himself to try and free these ghosts and let them go back. And it's very nice of him, right? But he's still trying to overcome and, and understand how to overcome his fear of seeing ghosts. Kind of a loner because his whole life he's seen ghosts and other people don't see them. And so he's always getting freaked out. Basically, he's just like Haley Joel's and he's a little weird kid. And he's a teenager, right? So that basic premise... Yeah, well, go, what's going on? What What's the kind of internal struggle and the things that happen? Okay. Mm-hmm. The reason that I don't really like it is because you watch almost half an episode before anything interesting actually happens. Mm. And it's not that they're just dishing out tons of fan servers. It's just that the actual story is told in a way that it almost feels like it's just filler. Like, they're just trying to fill... 25 minutes of show and then give you the actual kernel of progressing a story or doing something interesting or developing a character at the very end like they're just kind of making it happen just to make it happen just to make money kind of and that's where fill out 30 minutes yeah and to really make sure i I was honestly giving this a chance i was like okay let me go watch other anime that i think is good and trying to make some actual comparisons. So I went and mm-hmm. watched a bunch of anime this week, Rune. Not because I was wanted to talk yours down. <laughs> I honestly gave it a chance. I watched several. And I wanted to talk about why I think those are good. And why this one wasn't that great. So I went and watched some of the first couple episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Samurai Champloo. FLCL. Full Metal Alchemist. Um, uh, Galactic, Galactic, Heroes. Galactic Heroes. I watched some of that. And... Some of these I had seen before, and some of them I hadn't. Um, Samurai Champloo I hadn't seen any of. Oh, and wow. the first couple episodes of that, it just from the very beginning, you're like, whoa, what is going on? It has a cool intro. It doesn't have an intro like every other anime's intro, which this yeah. show does, the Yatsu, the Natsume one. The, the story is told in a way that like you can actually... You're, you're intrigued. It's good storytelling. They make you want to keep keep coming back within the first couple minutes they don't waste any time with things that don't really add to the story and and i really did try it because it's like okay this is his recommendation for him and to go through and watch more of this the the trope that they use is this hero with this destiny but he's unassuming he doesn't know and lots of animes borrow from that right this like that star wars kind of idea Mm -hmm. where it's luke he's the destined one but he doesn't really know what's going on and and then he comes into form in the third movie and he's the Jedi and blah 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 blah. Yeah. But a lot of this this anime we are told his motivations and we are shown them in tiny little snippet cutbacks, which is great, but it's almost like they're trying to save money on the animation. Like he doesn't move much. No one really moves much until that three minutes of payoff. And then it's a big fight and people are moving around and ghosts and all kinds of things. But for the most part people are very rigid. There's not a lot of motion and things happening on the screen, which kind of goes back to my theory that it's just, they're just trying to kind of make money. This is just one of many animes they're trying to get out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Lucky Cat is this uh, cohort he has that um, is one of the first spirits he kind of accidentally uncovers, but he wants this book of friendship. And so he becomes kind of his guardian, but at the same time kind of a jerk to him. And he's in the shape of a lucky cat, you know, the little, like the yeah. Weezer lucky cat guy. Yeah, everybody's got <laughs> um, So the, he is the epitome of fan service, unfortunately, in this. He is both kind of this comic relief. He's the, also this character. character. Yeah, and he <laughs> he has this weird thing that I don't understand where they go from, like, cutesy to, like, fearsome gonna, like, rip off your head 
thing. Uh, and, and that's an anime thing I've never really understand why, from a storytelling lied. perspective. The lied. That's what we're going to call that one. Okay. Why people enjoy that as much, I, I don't really know. But the thing that I haven't seen that much anime, but from what I've seen, I could predict what was happening in the episode already. Already, It's very, like, formulaic. <laughs> And it's where's the fun in that if you can already figure out what's I think going on? You're, you're asking where the fun is, but somebody in the chat's asking a much yes, more important question. Very much. Where's so. Goku? Is, where's Goku? Where, where is Goku? <laughs> where is someone just going? Oh. Where, where is someone screaming for a whole episode? Right, right. I did not watch any DBC to try and frame this opinion, um, but in the end, I, I kind of came to this one conclusion after watching many different anime, just like with TV. There's good shows and there's bad shows. Mm -hmm. And some people like some of the ones in the middle and some people only like the good shows. And there's not that many good shows, really, when you think about it. Like, really quality television, there's not a lot. Anime, I feel, is the same. So there's my anime rant. (laughs) And now Rune Devers like, I'm never watching this podcast again, not listening to it again. Oh, no, Rune Devers I gave it a try. But I will say this. Rune Devers has got good taste. I think, I, I think, I don't know, there also may have been, I don't know, maybe we'll need to have him leave a voicemail yeah. as well, to why like, he thinks maybe that Maybe he misses or, audience, because what, what is it about this anime that you would recommend to me or anyone else who's kind of on the fence about anime? Yeah, that's, that's sort, of, sort of use the game club approach to any anime you want to suggest to Gary. Exactly. I would, I would suggest a show to someone based on various merits that I think could be appealing to a wider audience. And if I knew the person more like Ben, I think I could recommend stuff to you that has a chance of being something that would be different for you, but you would still enjoy. Mm-hmm. And this anime is the typical, like, why I don't like anime, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, we're definitely going to wait for the wider discussion when Liz comes back for this. This could be mm-hmm. the whole episode for all I care. For Liz, but- anime, con? No, no, no. What... What do you think of Galactic Heroes since uh, you went a few episodes in? Well, I'm not going to talk about too much. I think we should just do like an anime episode. We should wait for Liz. (laughs) When Liz comes back. I I wanted to talk about it because Calvin showed me the uh, prequel movie. Oh, that's a stars movie? Oh, I haven't watched that. Okay. Yeah, it's just like a movie set up between. uh, It's a really cool battle that happens between, I guess, the two main characters. And Mm -hmm. just judging on that opening uh, like prequel film, I was in. I yeah, really it's, liked it's the, the setup of Galactic Heroes. Where, where I'm at right now, I feel, is really slow, but we'll get into that later. What, um, what's your opinions, Gary? So, Galactic Heroes, I watched and was kind of thinking that I might not like this, but um, I liked that the best of all the stuff I'd seen new. Samurai mm-hmm. Champloo kind of got typical anime routine after about four or five episodes. The first three, four, really strong, but after that, it just kind of gets into the same... Yeah, it gets a little bros on a journey sort of yeah. thing. Which we've seen before, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's one Pokemon. thing anime has a problem of is that they take the same story and they just Falling change the, the characters. Yeah, and we need something else. But anyway, I feel, I feel Shampoo has enough to set it aside. But oh I mean, yeah, yeah, the the, the style, the mm-hmm. characters, the acting. There's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, but <laughs> the reason I really liked uh, Galactic Heroes right off the bat was the for the exact reason Liz said. Everybody is game for dying. Everyone is important. Everyone has something going on. Uh, 
Yeah. And and because of that, there's this tension that, oh, man, okay, this is like the head of this fleet, too. Oh, man, he might get – oh, he just died. He could oh, die. Crap, he totally right? died. He made stupid decisions, and he died and so forth. And, um, it, it is very complex. It does remind me of The Wire because so many characters thrown at you at once. But the one nice thing that I wish The Wire would do that they do <laughs> – is they always put the person's name and like title underneath them whenever mm-hmm. they come on. And I'm like, that's so great because I'd have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> and they, they keep um, doing that to make sure you actually yeah. get their names, yeah. which is but good. I mean, even like within the first two episodes, like I think at the the mom whose like son died, or it was the fiance whose um mm. son died, she's like telling off like this politician, she gets whisked away for talking against the government. I, and, I forget her name already. That's yeah, but awful. they have these really deep like political dramas going on mm-hmm. and there's just a very there's just a lot going on so you can always kind of take something different when you watch it so that's yeah. what i've been enjoying derek you've been you saw the the prequel what'd you think i really liked how uh the dialogue um assumed that the audience was smart enough to figure out the details yeah uh in, in a way that the wire was um the the, the dialogue is all vague but in in a good way where you you you, you the characters say something and you go, oh, there's more to what they're actually saying, and it kind of forces you to really start to pay attention. And uh, it was kind of confusing. You really have to just watch the different. All right, th- these people wear hats. Yeah. People don't wear hats. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, this the- guy is like kind of. He's got re- he's got blonde hair. This guy's kind of laid back, and it's like, yeah, whatever. I'm the best. Oh, let's move <laughs> our ship up. To we win. The yeah, the best atmosphere. way to the best way to sort of distinguish between the Empire and the Alliance is like where the pretty boy is at. And that's usually <laughs> yeah. going to be the Empire. Yeah. Where's the pretty boy swag? Yeah, the pretty boy swag the boy is swag. the Empire. Yeah. 100% yeah. of the time. Um, oh, I forgot to bring this up. So a theory I had on anime as I did more research. I spent a lot of time on this opinion. I didn't want to come out here just, it sucks. I really wanted to have uh, a reason It's okay. It's that. only anime. I mean. <laughs> um, so anime. I, went, I went back and kind of actually looked at when some of these animes were originally released uh video wise like the mm-hmm. not just the manga but the actual um cartoon so to speak yeah so cowboy bebop was 98 yeah okay? um flcl 2000 full metal yeah. alchemist 2001 samurai champloo yeah. 2004 okay i think a lot of these still borrow upon the same ideas, which you know, most TV does, right? We're just taking old shows and recycling them and so forth, right? But, like, I think anime is, is unfortunately even more limited in its sphere of what it allows itself to do. And so they keep going back to the same kind of core four or five stories that were already done really, really well the first time, like mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop and Bro Story and that sort of thing. So another theory Pokemon. I had as I went through it, but oh yeah, it's going to be some anime hate this week. If you want to leave us an email, podcast at fangamer.com. Yeah, anime fans, rep. just don't yeah. leave any moe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Messages. Well, more like tell me what's, what's good anime. What's the stuff that really yeah. you would recommend to people who are on the fence about anime. So I want to hear. What is good anime that transcends being good anime and becomes good, good media? Yeah, just, just good. good. Yeah. Something good. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Once we've taught that to death, let's take a break. Then we're going to get into show topic, talk about some Link's Awakening. Yep. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
Just a few weeks ago, nerds gathered in Orlando, Florida for one of the biggest nerd music events in the country. Pax and Magfest have their nightly concerts, and Blipfest gathers the world's chiptunes artists in the one place. But Nerdapalooza is the only place I know of that is all nerd music of all sorts, all the time. There were nerdcore rappers and chiptune artists, solo singers and big bands, metal music and lounge music, cover artists and original music. And the best thing about it is that the performers were everywhere and available as long as they weren't performing. They were out and about, watching shows, talking with friends and fans, and sometimes even putting on impromptu performances. I saw several old favorites like the Protoman and i Fight Dragons, but even better were the performers I'd never heard of before that made me want to look into them. Acts like Consortium of Genius and Animal Cannon solo chiptune performance had me looking them up as soon as they left the stage. I asked the founder of Nerdapalooza to give us a brief rundown of what Nerdapalooza was, is, and will be. Hi, I'm Hex. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with me, I am the guy that runs Nerdapalooza. I had the idea back on uh, Pi Day, March 14th in 2007, and when I first had the idea, uh, it spawned from when I was helping with a Battle of the Bands at the college I was attending, and uh, there was this one ska band, local ska band, called Two Time Good Fighter, and between their original track on Mitosis and their cover of the Inspector Gadget theme song, I uh, re- came to the palpable conclusion that I love nerd music and I want a place for nerd music to all come together and just hang out and since then that's what Nerdapalooza has become uh, and it's grown uh, this year, uh, 2011 uh, the fifth iteration of Nerdapalooza uh, had the first time where we had uh, nerd art featured at it too so it's now evolving into a nerd uh, music and arts festival and uh, we have lots of plans uh, the Nerdapalooza committee and myself of what we'd like to see it become, uh, be it a tour, be it a much bigger show, uh, have it have satellite shows all over the place. Uh, there's a lot of things. So uh, if you want to know more about Nerdapalooza, go check it out at nerdapalooza.org. Thanks. Today I want you to hear Danimal Cannon's live performance of Jean-Luc. Danimal plays in both Arm Cannon and Metroid Metal, but he's relatively new to the chiptune scene. He has some tracks available online already, and he's working on an album... But for his live shows, he adds something completely unique to his live performances. He pulls out his guitar and rocks along with his otherwise standalone chiptune set. And it's amazing. Go see this man live.
Did I mention that I was representing Fangamer while I was at Nerdapalooza? I got to hang out with a bunch of awesome people there. Of course, the guys from Nerdy Show are big fans, so it was great to see them again. Tony gets special mention for being my dancing partner. Stefan of My Parents' Favorite Music stopped by, and we talked about his Earthbound fandom. The members of The One Up stopped by, and Mustin in particular ordered some stuff from me, which was really cool since I'm a huge fan of theirs. A huge shout-out to Larry OG from OC Remix for stopping by and hanging out. He was great company, and for a while he was working my little booth better than I was. Grant, the founder of Metroid Metal, stopped by at the booth at some point to tell me that he would be wearing his Chosoglyph shirt when they performed that night, which is particularly awesome since John says he was listening to a lot of Metroid Metal when he designed the shirt. It was really awesome to meet everyone at Nerdapalooza, and I'll see you all again next year. Hey, you're listening to the Fangamer Podcast. This is Danimal Cannon, coming from Zen Albatross's apartment. I drank lots of beer last <laughs> night, and now my vocal cords are really low, and now I sound pretty sweet. Yeah! Fangamer News. Welcome to Fangamer News. My name is Reed Young, and uh, I'm here by my lonesome in the Fangamer office to tell you what stuff Fangamer is doing. Uh, so, as you may or may not know, PAX Prime 2011 is coming up, and we are going to be there. This is our fourth convention, and, well, the fourth convention we're exhibiting at, and we have our whiteboard sketchy booth once again ready to go. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's essentially a, like, our booth is made of whiteboard material, and there's markers everywhere, and you can just draw on it. So, uh, this is kind of how we recruit talent. Don't tell the talent that. Uh, so, for packs, we have a couple reprints lined up. Uh, first off, uh, Chronometer, a perennial favorite. It has been out of stock for a couple weeks, and that is long enough that people are like, where's Chronometer? So, we're working on that. And then, on top of that, uh, at long last, we are reprinting Special Forces, which is always a, a great seller at PAX. And this year, we are printing it on a new colorway, the Heather Lieutenant shirt. I'm pretty sure this is going to replace Blockwa as one of the greatest shirts of all time on my body. Can you add on my body to the end of something? I don't know if that makes it risque or not. Anyway, also, we're going to have one new shirt. We're hoping to have a bunch, but for now, we're planning on one new shirt for sure at PAX. It is called the Dual Link shirt. And it's going to blow your mind. Uh, our friend Sean Husbands designed it. And if you look him up, his uh, website is Winter Artwork. And he posted a preview of the design uh, a couple weeks or maybe a month or two ago. And it's finally happening. And much like the Smash shirts, uh, we decided not to go for a pin with this shirt. We're actually throwing in a sticker with it. And since the uh, shirt design itself is themed as a, uh, as a poker card, we decided to do the same thing with the sticker. So you get a uh, poker card sized sticker, and we'll let the design be a surprise. Or, for the more enterprising out there, you want to Google it, get on that. Also, we have the, um, we got some new stuff coming up. Like, as you guys may have heard, Shirtness is finally, finally happening. At long last, we've been trying to reprint Shirtness for like a year and a half now. We finally did it. Uh, the reason that it took so long is because Shirtness is actually, like, it's pretty much manufactured from scratch. Uh, when you have a striped shirt, you can either print the stripes on and make it look really cheap and lame, or you can do it the right way and actually have the stripes dyed in the wool. Uh, but to do that, you have to find a custom manufacturer. And as I found recently, uh, it's, it's hard to find an ethical shirt manufacturer out there. 
Uh, a lot of the cotton that the world consumes comes from Egypt. You might have heard of Egyptian cotton. But uh, what you may not know is that a lot of Egyptian cotton is made and picked and uh, processed by slaves. And yeah, I thought we were kind of past that. It's cool though. It's cool because we have Turkey. Turkey is a great place full of beautiful, wonderful people. And they make really good shirts. So our friends at Continental Clothing have a factory in Turkey and they're going to handle our... Uh, the production of shirtness in a totally cool, ethical way. Yeah, sunglasses. So, yes, shirtness is going to be back in the store. We're expecting in mid-September. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but I wouldn't plan anything earlier than that. And we will probably take pre-orders. All that's up in the air because we're all busy trying to figure out packs. And shirtness is just kind of, uh, it's going to fall right as soon as packs finishes. Uh, on top of that, we have uh, several other Zelda shirts and other Zelda-inspired merchandise uh, in the pipeline. Uh, one of which we're really excited about is called the... Well, should I tell you? Yeah, you'll figure it out eventually. It's called the Windfish. And if you can't guess what that's for, then maybe you should play more Game Club. Uh, on top of that, um, we are working on a, uh, some pins and some miscellaneous other projects. Uh, one of them is kind of a poster, kind of not. And if you hang out at our PAX booth, you might meet the guy who will be working on it. Who knows? Uh, also, Final Fantasy VI stuff. Uh, in anticipation of our Final Fantasy VI Fan Fest, we have a bunch of merchandise in the pipeline. And actually, a lot of it's already designed. And one, of, one thing I'm particularly excited about is one of Camille's figurines. She is working on one for Final Fantasy VI, and it has come along well. It has entered production officially. And then, beyond that, later this year, of course, as always, we will be looking into the Earthbound Fan Fest. Uh, we'll get more details on that later, because I, if there's one thing I've learned with Fangamer, I really shouldn't make predictions further than, like, a day in advance. So, that's all you get. Thanks for listening to Fangamer News. I am me. in the forum thread saying hey it'd be really cool if there was some Link's Awakening merchandise maybe that's the reason that uh, you know we're doing this kind of or that we were told to do a Zelda game you should do a, a, one of those little Yoshi dolls <laughs> yeah, that's you a, give to the baby yeah, that yeah, it's Link's Awakening right yeah yeah I'll say there is definitely a shirt that um, is inspired by Zelda and maybe it would hit some time he spent on an island and uh, some fishes on that island that look like whales, but I'm not going to say more than that because it's You're awesome. You're the worst at being subtle in the planet. What? What? People who haven't beaten the game have no idea what I'm saying right now. They no they idea. saw that little rune thing on the wall that Dude, spoiled the ending for you. No, they don't know. Yeah, isn't that isn't that kind of mean? Like it's halfway through the game, they're like, yeah, it's like yeah, spoilers. <laughs> game over. Happening. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, should we start? Should we talk? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Game club time. Link's Awakening, Game Boy. I was really worried, guys, that I wouldn't have anything to say because for the first yeah. four hours, five hours playing this, I was like, oh, this is so much fun. I was, <laughs> I was playing this game. I'm giving the Yoshi doll to the baby. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, That's why this game's good. And then I, I finished done. for the night, and I was like, 
I didn't write anything down. I didn't have any criticisms. I didn't have any thoughts. I was just like, uh, Zelda's so good. We play more. And then I was super worried. <laughs> so I played some more and I, I wrote down some questions to try and prompt something to come out of my head as I played. So here's the questions I wrote, mostly out of fear. Um, <laughs> is this a good Zelda game? Is this game a classic? Is this story a good story? Uh, why do I enjoy this game so much? And are there any negative aspects of this game? And to start, before we even get into those questions or talking about the game, I wanted to preface this with some research I did on the game. Because mm-hmm. um, I think when I was playing through on the live streams on the Fangamer channel, the first thing that kind of came to mind was similarities to Link to the Past. And I wasn't sure which came first, Link to the Past or or this game. And yeah. Were they developed at the same time? Uh, were they staggered? How did that work? And I actually looked into the development more, and it it's really quite interesting. It tells a, a story of why the game is the way it is. So okay. um, it did start off, off after Link to the Past development. So Link to the Past had been either almost done or very close, but it actually started as what they say is a, an a, a after work project between a couple people, where they thought let's port Link to the Past to Game Boy. So it was going to be wow. a direct port actually originally, which is probably why you see a lot of similarities in the first town yeah. to Link to the Past. Um, but uh, this was one of the few games that, as they were starting to build it out, that they thought, wow, we could do something else with this. But because it had this after work sort of project feel it was also the reason that it had this like freeform development that had all these like mario references because they <laughs> felt like it would just be okay because they were like ah, oh, this is just going to be this side thing it's going to be a spin-off this will be the fraser to <laughs> to link to the past so uh to cheers yeah basically <laughs> so they started off with um that in mind and then they decided wow this is going really well let's just make this its own game um, and there's a couple other really interesting things to note. This is the first Zelda game that had the trading sequence, so the Yoshi doll and doing that. This yeah. is the first one actually had that. Um, the staff, when they were designed it, designed the game, they actually considered it more of a parody of a Zelda game. So yeah, that's why you see a lot of these that. kind of weird, like, Mario things in there. Um, but the, the, the true development didn't start until Link to the Past actually came out. Um, but the original plot... Um, was actually kind of messed with a bit. So they actually had to start building out a plot after they had started building it, building out a game. So they actually called the Link to the Past development team and put them into the Game Boy After Hours work party mm-hmm. and made that team develop uh, Link to the Past. So you've got, uh, that's where the root started in this kind of playfulness and then it gets into, okay, let's make a Link to the Past type game, but of its own. But um, it's also described as one of the first ones that had a proper plot where the story was actually supposed to be reminiscent of Twin Peaks. What? That's what they said. And I don't know because I haven't seen Twin Peaks, but that's <laughs> literally what the the Wikipedia was referring to in this article and so forth. But the, the main well, we, reason... I think we all agree this game is a billion times better than Deadly Premonition. But Exactly. <laughs> but the main characters was... They got the idea from Twin Peaks that the main character should be very suspicious, that you should sort of doubt what's going on. And that's a theme that they kept and reoccurred in other games like Majora's Mask, Ocarina, and so forth. And that Ocarina wouldn't have been the game it was if it wasn't for this game, the way they kind of changed the story. So 
Um, that is the all of the research I did in development, but I hope that helped frame some of the things maybe you noticed as we went along. So mm-hmm. um, let's maybe start. Not the Twin Peaks stuff, but yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I haven't seen Twin Peaks, so I don't know. But... I've seen clips, and I know enough en- enough about it to know that it's very much not Link's Awakening. Charlie says in the chat, I can kind of see it. The island itself has a certain personality, kind of like mm-hmm. so. Maybe there's yeah. no log. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a good point. You talk about this one had a story. I don't think it so much had a. Uh, maybe they endeavored to have a good story. I think it has a really good setting. Yeah. Um. There, there's a sequence that occurs at the end of the game, not to get too much away, that uh involves the um like a lot of people in the island and like the setting of the island. Uh, and that was a very memorable sequence. Very powerful. For me. Yeah, actually, it was. Uh, and uh, sorry, not that, not that yeah, I'm like well, mad at you, Gary. I was agreeing with you. Sorry. Don't talk. I came out. Yeah, don't it talk. was. You jerk. <laughs> yeah, jerk. I know you agree with me. That came out wrong. Sorry. Um, it, it it does kind of have an arc with a couple of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this is a Zelda game, and Zelda games have never had a you know. I wire. play Zelda games for the awesome dungeons and cool puzzles. Yeah. Not for the story. It was still but answering. This, yeah. But I, I feel... This definitely had a good established uh, story. That, like, the island is a kind of a great character. Yeah. Uh, and there is a bit of an arc to a couple of the characters, uh, which, for a Zelda game, it actually does have a lot of... A very rich story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel this game, like, at least until Majora's Mask, I guess, just had that more so than any other Zelda game. And that, yeah. like, mm-hmm. the characters had more personality than, like, your featureless dudes hanging out at Kakariko Village. Or, or even then, it. it's more that it was a persistent story that keeps coming back throughout, yeah. whereas, like, because I Other actually went and played have, like, the very beginning. Throughout. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. I went and played Link to the Past just to try and have something to compare against. I was like, I have nothing to talk about, but I'll play that and do a compare-contrast. So I played the beginning, and they front-load story on you. And so it seems like it's a more rich story. But then after that, the story really goes away. There's only a few moments. Whereas this, every time you finish a dungeon, that owl's coming in reminding you, here's what's happening. The whole story does keep coming back to the same theme of waking up the windfish in this island, mm-hmm. uh, Link you know, crashing onto the shore, uh, finding that there's this crazy island that no one ever leaves from. Um, and so I've got some things in the story to talk about there, but... How do we want to approach this? Just want to start talking about the beginning of the game and progressing through the dungeons, or do you guys have specific notes you just want to dive well, into? You mentioned there is no bad, and I actually playing through this game, I realized there is one bad thing, and it's what prevented me from getting very far in this game when I first got this when I was ten, ten years old. Hmm. Uh, this game means a lot to me because it was the first game that I beat by myself without like the help of my hmm. older brother because yeah. he, he was he was you know he was older so he could like read. You know, when I, yeah. when I couldn't. So yeah. a lot of my, like, first Zelda games and Final Fantasy games, like, I was like, you know, Ian, can you read me Nintendo Power telling me where to go next? <laughs> uh, this one, though, I, I man, it took me uh, my whole summer, back in 94, I think, uh, to beat this game. And when I did, it felt so great. But I, it took me so long to get through it, because the beginning, I didn't know you had to get the pepper to sprinkle it on the guy. Oh, the raccoon. Yeah, the raccoon. Oh, it yeah. took me so long to figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where I got stuck, too. And playing it again, I realized they, they really tease you. If you hit select, you can see this giant map and all these squares you can't go to. And you realize there's a big world out there to explore. But you can't. And, and you can't really explore the world hardly at all until you beat the second level. And you get the uh, uh, the power bracelet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can jump over pits and you can move rocks and skulls. And then you can finally explore the world. You're really stuck in a very narrow 
small pool. It's like the left side, kind yeah. of. Yeah, so the, the, the game doesn't really even open up until you beat the second dungeon. Well, you know, it's funny. That I had a, com- a complaint myself when I was first playing through it because I got stuck as a kid. I've told the story many times in the podcast, but I did not know the whole sequence with Bow Wow that you were supposed to go rescue him. Where you were supposed to go to rescue him was one. That took a long time. Once you got him, what the hell you were supposed to do with him? I was like, <laughs> what is this change up? He's not a dog. I don't, where would I go? And it never really clicked for me. And so I always thought that this game had a weird difficulty arc that they don't really lead you along very well. I don't know if it's a difficulty arc more it's than not, it is. It's more a, it's a not. player fault. <laughs> It well, not a player fault. It's just like the game not telling you what to do. And I don't think that's no, difficulty then, more than it is direction. They have lots of mechanics in place to help you that I just never utilized because I was a kid and I was impatient. So one of the biggest right. ones is um, old Rerub. Oh, yeah, old yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to go to those... Either. And they're everywhere, those little phone booths. You're supposed to mm-hmm. call him, and he basically tells you what you need to do. Yeah. And I never really did that. And you know what it was? Because the first time you call, he doesn't really tell you anything useful like you, when you're exploring the town the very beginning after yeah. you wake up. And then you mm-hmm. go talk to him in person, and he still doesn't say anything to you. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, and so you, it, you just see these all around, and it's like, I guess he's right. just going to be grumpy. And so later on, you see more of these uh, telephone booths, and you go in there, and they usually tell you something, that I'm like, yeah, I already, I already knew that. So anytime <laughs> I was stuck, that was not the place that yeah. my brain said to go, but this time I realized, oh, yeah, that was really just my own fault for not mm-hmm. <laughs> using yeah, the okay. in-game help system. I eat my words then. But yeah. it, was, it wasn't properly established. No. The game needs to establish that. something like that for, for the... Uh, you know, sometimes a, a, a player is intelligent but just uninformed and the game mm. needs to inform even intelligent players like what the precedent how the structured game is going to going to fit yeah i mean yeah. even considering that this is the the only the second zelda game total that had the ability to save your game really um that was this overworld that was huge i mean they go back to the nintendo the original zelda overworld i mean link to the past does as well but it's only the third time that's ever happened in pretty yeah link to the past was a big deal when they decided not to go the link's adventure route i remember hearing about that oh they're making a zelda game for super nintendo and they're doing it the the first zelda style Mm -hmm. well that's crazy (laughs) and uh link's awakening was Away, Nintendo saying we're sticking with that formula. We're, okay, we're done yeah. with Link's Awakening, or we're done with the Link's Adventure, forever. That was just a one-off deal. Didn't work. We, we goofed. Sorry. Yeah. We sorry. Sorry, goofed. guys. Hey, everyone, <laughs> help. Sorry. <laughs> the um. Well, so the basic premise of the story it, it presents very quickly that in order to leave the island to go back to Hyrule, Link has to wake the Windfish. He's presented with this as soon as he goes to pick up his sword. And that's probably one of the coolest things about this game is that because it doesn't take place in Hyrule, they're kind of free to do this really different story, like Majora's Mask in a way. There's this yeah. entirely different story. But I wanted to, this is the only few things I took originally on notes that I was like, okay, we can talk about this, is that um, the Windfish itself is a really interesting concept for the Zelda franchise in general, that you have this creature who's dreaming and you must wake him up in order to leave. And he's a fish, and there's correlation to wind and music and so forth. So you saw these Zelda themes coming into place, right? Collecting oh, yeah. Was things. there an ocarina in Link to the Past? Yes. There was a flute or something. I don't think it was I don't know if they called ocarina, yeah. But it's... And it, it, it was the one that you grabbed, the, the bird would take you yeah, around. Yeah, he walked so... you around. Yeah. Yeah. 
but there wasn't an actual I forget if it was an actual ocarina because I think that was a callback it, to the the uh, flute that you know the summoned a whirlwind from the very very first one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is Link's Awakening the first one to have an ocarina? Um, let's see. People are saying that the Link to the Past was a flute. Yeah, it looked no. like an ocarina in that game, but did they call it? Is that is that they, they called it a flute, but it looked like they, an they called it a flute, but it they looked did. Like an it might have been a translation thing. I wonder if they changed that in the remake. They did. They changed it to ocarina. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't think I actually played that remake far enough. The idea that like you've got. I don't know, as a story, I think that's very interesting because it keeps coming back to this throughout. And some of the Zelda games, obviously, you're on this quest to get the Seven Sages or whatever it is. And that brings you back to the story a little bit. But this time, it keeps... Everyone you talk to usually ties back to it, right? Like you... Yeah, like, uh, talking about the windfish. Yeah, Marin, right? She's always mm-hmm. like, oh, here's the windfish song and the whole section. You go on a date with her. Yeah. And, and they talk about that, but... Um, one of the things that uh, I would suggest, I think it was PyroGuy42, said um, the manga gets a lot more into some of what's happening on the island. So I started really? reading through, I finished the first volume, and there's not a lot really happening there. But I did take one note that ties to this, which is that um, in the manga, they refer to the windfish as Koholan Island's governing god. And I was kind of wondering that, as if they looked to him as... they. They don't pray the windfish, do they? Or maybe they do. I forget. Like, uh, I hope the windfish will make blah, blah, blah happen for me. And they look at him kind of like a god. I don't know if they pray to him per se, but I mean, everyone seems to know the ritual of playing the song to him. Mm -hmm. You can assume they they might have in the original Japanese translation, they probably maybe toned that way down for America. But it's, it's probably fair to say, like, within the canon, all the people of the island know that there is an overbearing mm-hmm. force of the windfish, and yeah, they probably would. They probably would, like you know, pray to it or worship I think it. So. Yeah, and uh, Pyro guy's pointing out that in that "quote unquote" date scene with uh, Marin, she wishes to the windfish to become a seagull. That's where I got the idea. So, do they look at him like a god? And that that kind of um, story dynamic is very unique. You don't see a lot of talking about those sort of creatures it's usually we need to kill ganon or defeat the evil wizards and then the three deities who made the triforce and that's mm-hmm. kind of it not a lot of that spiritual talk but anyway i think that's one of the things that makes what might be an overlooked game i'm not sure if a lot of people have or haven't played this particular game before ben have you beaten it have you played no the- no i think oh, okay. i am officially the furthest i've ever been in this game okay and derek you After obviously oh multiple times i think i've owned this game three times over my life and this is probably the 10th time i've beaten it or i will beat it so mm. so what is this is my favorite zelda game the uh the another thing that was a hint mechanism i forgot to bring up ben but a really difficult one is the owl statues. That yeah, those are kind of creepy. They are exactly that's exactly wrote. They're down. really foreboding creepy. and like they're just talking about scary things. I don't. Well, I'm getting kind of like if like if you if you've seen Fight Club before, I'm not going to spoil. No, it. you seen no. it? Okay, so that's one where it's like when you've watched the movie once, or um, or uh, what's the one with Haley Joel Osment? Okay. We were just making fun of the Sixth, um, Sense. Sixth, Sense. Sixth Sense. Have you seen yeah. that? Okay, where you if you know the end. And you watch the movie again, it's like a it different experience. It makes more experience. sense, yeah. That's how I feel the owl statues are. Because when you know the end and you read the things they're saying, you're like, oh, that's really kind of dark, actually. Yeah. What he's saying. Yeah, like, he's saying, like, uh, well, I even wrote down a quote that I thought was a little creepy for, what did I say here? The wind fish slumbers long, the hero's life is gone. 
Yeah, I, was like, I remember oh, that one. That's a little dark. And there was something I, about I, seafoam. I completely skipped over those because I don't. I I never needed their hints. <laughs> yeah, because they're never like. Let me really. Sh- okay, this is a couple where it's like, dig under your feet for a prize, and it's a seashell <laughs> underneath yeah. where you're standing. Like, there's that well, one. I think that was in, that was like a bird statue. Which is, are you talking about? Like the the bird statues or yeah, yeah. the ones where you have to put the beak in? Uh, oh, the, not in, the stone slab. Well, I hate those things. Those are annoying as hell. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the ones that they're strewn throughout the world map where it's like a right. old okay, statue right, yeah. and it's and it's all in caps. And I always read it like if you've seen Harry Potter and there's Professor Trelawney, the one who does oh, the yeah. the visions for Harry Potter. She talks in this really weird voice. She's like, oh, the Dark Lord will come at midnight and kill Harry <laughs> Potter. And every time I read those in that voice. So anyway, uh, but to undigress here. So the beginning of this game, um, you don't have a weapon. I thought that was kind of fun. That you kind of have yeah. to navigate the first part of the landscape without any way to kill bad guys. Yeah, and I think that's sword. a really genius way to start this game off because it forces you to. You have to talk to everybody in the town, and uh, you have to you have to go along the beach. And it introduces the people of the town and the world to you very slowly. Yeah, I think that's a really really smart way to start the game. People it also doesn't take too long. It. It's not like. Uh, the, the Zelda Twilight Princess, where the beginning takes a very, very long time. Yeah, very long time. I, that's why I, I really couldn't get into it. I was just like, okay, how much time are we going to spend this village and fishing and other crap when we move along? Anyway, plus that original, the uh, Mabe or Mabe, or however you say it, village yeah. is really fun. There's just, there's got the trendy got game, that music. You got fishing. There's a lot of people. There's you the, got the kids playing ball, oh, which is really yeah. cute, and you got the chomp chomp is having a good time. Yeah, so yeah, I, I was always in, afraid of that chomp, but yeah, yeah me too. I read it's gonna hit me. The developers, the another thing that was sort of interesting, or at least criticism wise, is the whole idea of breaking the third wall with um, NPCs. So the kids will tell you how to play the game, but then at the very end go, uh, but oh, I don't, but I'm just a kid. Yeah, I'm just a kid. I don't, yeah, I love I don't know that. what you're talking about. Yeah, that, but, that, that's, oh, that's kind of funny. Actually, I especially like later when um they're talking about Marin. They're like, "Hey, are you gonna hang out with Marin later and get close to her or something?" Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Know, I'm no, just I'm a kid. Just a kid. <laughs> yeah, actually, here let me play a voicemail that kind of corresponds with this conversation that we're having right now from Kevin Chai. Hey, Fan Gamer Podcast, it's me, Kevin Chai. I really do love Link's Awakening. Why is it so great? I don't know. I'm just a kid. <laughs> is that the whole voicemail? <laughs> oh, Kevin Chai, you rule. Well done, I don't know. sir. Why is well so played. Good? That's good. <laughs> I don't think about those things. Oh, oh man. That's we good. have another one in there we'll play as we go a little bit further. Uh, okay, so let's skip ahead. You get the mystery, mysterious forest. As Derek was saying, you gotta throw the, the spice yeah, on the raccoon's face and first kind of combat sequence. Yeah, that had me stuck for months back when I was 10. I really thought that they even felt like there was a good ambiance, like when you switch kind of zones, so kind of like when you go into the forest and the music changes. Yeah, and, and like as a kid, the that screen was so darkens. Cool. Yeah, yeah, the screen does get a little bit darker. Um, and there's a couple like secrets, very Zelda-like, you come back after yeah. to... to uh, have your bracelet to get things or even hook shot. Yeah, right from the beginning they tease you with stuff you can't do. Yeah. Down yeah. by the beach there's a tre- chest you can't get to because there's a stone in front of it. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of things in uh, the forest you can't get to because there's 
skulls or stones. Is the monkey on the beach? Sets up stuff. Remember the monkey throws the coconuts? Is he there from the very beginning? Yeah, he is. Because that's another thing. Like, what am I supposed to do with this monkey guy? And um, the trading sequence actually starts really early. If you go play the trendy game, like you can Mm. do the first sequences. Yeah. Can can I sort of express an opinion on like how this game teases so many things from the beginning? Nope. 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 That's not what we're doing on this podcast. But no. Um. I don't like that. And, like, but, I don't know oh. if that's me being, like, a crotchety old man at this point and just, like, wanting my games to did be more linear. Did you hate it in Metroid as well? Just curious, because we did that for Game Club. Did it bother? Because that game A little like, bit, but I feel like place. Metroid had the control scheme to make it a lot easier to navigate back sometimes. Like, yeah, I felt that you, game was expedient enough have, to be able points, to though. get away with that. You do huh? have warp points in the world. I guess I don't think about those so much. And... I get very lost in this game, and I don't understand why. I guess it's just because, like, every sort of screen is, like, this square. And there's nothing really definitive about the area you're in at There's the a lot time. of choke there- points. You're right. You can't just... If you see this square and this square, you can't yeah. just make your own path in and, your head yeah. using the map and, like, the map, the map isn't detailed enough for you to plan out, like, a no, route not from there. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think I, I, I still... I, again, this is speaking as somebody who's played it a lot. I have no... Tr- problem navigating the world well it's because I, like, I look at the map I, I very really seldom do. i really do like and i remember everywhere i need to go if you've ever played this before the first time yeah there are certain areas where if, if i want to get to here i don't go straight up and then left like the, you would on a well, map well you know there's the warps right there's those yeah. warps you go yeah. into. You... derek's basically saying ben why do you suck at this game so <laughs> that's pretty much what it is and i think it just means <clears throat> it might just be that i suck at zelda games because it sort of comes back to a very zelda game problem i have where Getting there are lost. always things introduced early in the game. It's not even getting lost because, like in Link to the pa- Oh yeah, the Link's hiding. Awakening, yeah. getting lost is like very much a thing specific to Link's Awakening. But there are always things they show you, and but that you you'll have to yeah. backtrack to later. Yeah, and that by the time I get the thing that I need to access, that I forget that's yeah. there, and I think that's either a problem with me, and I wonder if it's a problem with the game. Just like not being focused enough, or if it's me having a problem with exploration. Now, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think Link's Awakening <laughs> has a more deliberate pace than your average Zelda game. It feels more like a Metroid game in that you have to go every back. time you beat a dungeon. Yeah. There's like three things you have to do. Well, first off, you got to get you got to fill fulfill whatever you know obligation before you get to the dungeon. Yeah, so the, you got to get a key, or you mm-hmm. have to you know help out the ghost or something like that, or get Chomp Chomp. Uh, and then there's always the other thing is just go around the world, and now that you have a new item, get all the stuff that you couldn't get before. But now yeah. that you have the hook shot, so walk now that around you have aimlessly. The ability to, for yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of like that, but mm-hmm. at the beginning, the game doesn't give you. The game opens up very slowly. In the very beginning of the game, I mentioned earlier, it doesn't even really start until after you beat the second dungeon. I kind of like that. But again, I've played this game many times, and I know pretty yeah. much exactly where I need to go every single time. Yeah, and you know not how to not waste your time and uh, go down very long stretches of path and dodge so nope. many obstacles and do long-ass jumps to get to this cave with frogs in it when you don't have the ocarina. Oh, and yeah. you can't do anything there. Oh, this is something I, that happened to me. You get the Pegasus yeah. jump into the signpost maze. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the signpost maze. And I get through like halfway through it, and then it's like, oh... 
How am I gonna? There's no way I can go do. Oh. Now, see, I did all that without the Pegasus boots. Even that long jump that you have to do there. You can. Do I did that? it without the Pegasus boots, and I thought I was gonna get something so cool at the end. This, then it was like show? the frog was like, "Yo, go away." <laughs> and I was like, "What? Get out of my house!" Because the sign was like, "Go down these stairs to get your prize," and I do, and it's like Wart from Super Mario Brothers Two just hanging out with his buddies, and he just tells me to bounce, and I'm like, w- "But." What? But why? <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's progress through more. So, the first. Oh, also, and did you, did you get the uh, the second song from, from the fish yet? Because I haven't yet. Right, oh, playing the, that the mambo warps you to Crazy Tracy's uh, uh, town, uh, her house, right between the, uh, the right next to the witch's house. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so and that's warp. another good, good. It's a way that helps you. Actually, a lot of what you need to get to is right by Crazy Tracy's house. Yeah, you're right. I've, next I've to noticed town. that. I've noticed you're right that. Right by. Yeah, you're right by the uh, witch. You're right by the mountains, and you're really close to the the warp by town. You just have to go down a couple screens, then you can go to like the waterfall yeah. or to the animal village. That's interesting. Like how how do you get that? So um, after, after you, beat... you get the uh, the. Uh, uh, Fourth, fourth one. dungeon. Yeah, yeah, you get the fins. You go uh, uh, left. Uh, yeah, the, the waterfall dungeon. You walk swim up to the, the left, and there's yeah. a there's a, a cave there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's two I swim fish to the right. on the Oops. wall. And you go in, and he's like, would you like to play with me? I'm doing my mambo. And you play a little <laughs> dance, and it's fun. And um, they look. Their yeah. eyes go boom, 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 boom. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> they dance with like their eyes. It's so funny and stupid. The Tail Cave, the first dungeon. It's a very good starter Zelda dungeon, I thought. Ben, as being a first-time player of this one, what did you think? Because for me, I just ripped through it because I've done yeah, it so many times. It's a really quick dungeon, but and I didn't have a problem with the dungeon per se, but what I did feel was a little weird is that I felt at that time I didn't have any motivation in the game to go to that dungeon. Like, yeah, why am why I going am I to that dungeon other than the fact that this is a Zelda game and that's what I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the manga, they try and reconcile that more, that um, they talk about how the first... Is, it's a, a courage trial to prove that he's worth waking the windfish. Mm. The the uh, the owl guy tells him that. But okay. Again, that's like, the But did the owl say anything game. in this game? Because, like, all he tells you is, like, you need to get the tail key to go to the tail dungeon. I'm like... Um, okay, why? I don't know. It's because, um, I don't know, it's a talking owl? I mean, Kapoor Gabor knows what's up? That's, what that's about, about it. What did you think about the actual item you get, the ability to jump, which is not very often yeah, found in Zelda games? you don't see that in any Zelda games, and it's probably the best item in the game. There's, it's probably um, my favorite. There's one other. Someone corrected me, because I said the same thing during the live stream. <clears throat> um, there's a rock's cape in really? one of the other handheld, uh, like, seasons or oracles, I think, oh, has okay. that. Um, but yeah, other than that though, yeah, no more jumping, which it's great. I love being able to jump around. That's fun. But- it's, it makes the game, I think, kind of easy though, because they don't, they don't do the jumping correctly. So it's actually a way to, when Link is in the air, he can actually, he's able to, t- to attack things that are above him Yeah. when like he actually, that shouldn't actually work. Uh, and there's a couple of boss fights I think are super, super easy because you can just jump at the boss and swing your sword yeah. really fast and you can hit him like eight times. So they probably took it out because it made combat way too uh, way too simple. Yeah, if you have an overhead, how to deal with that? I think Alobo even says this is uh, one of his favorite things in the game. Where he had a really mm-hmm. good post. I mean, more than one. While you're looking for that, like I feel the rock's feather just makes combat in this game a lot more exciting. Sometimes, like if you're in a room full of enemies, it's just like sort of like this 
swashbuckling adventure where you're just like leaping over dudes and like hitting them from behind. It's like, yeah, this is exciting and not combat you really see in any other Zelda game, and I like it. Yeah, I can't find this, but Lobo, where'd it go? You were talking about how much you love Rock's Feather. Man, Lobo had some really insightful things to say about the overarching story, which I'm going to save for the second podcast because we're going to talk about the ending and end, but... Um, it was some some good stuff, but um, let's see. Oh, and about that, have you guys uh, registered any deaths? Oh yeah, yeah. People what? watch me die many times. Oh, stupid. The ending is slightly altered if you beat it without dying. But I'll oh. tell you, I'll tell you all well, about it. I died because I stole the shovel. The very first thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> Within five Wait, minutes of this game, I was thief. Did someone tell you you could do that, or did you just try No, I al- that's one of the things I always knew. Oh, sh- I think you're screwed then, because you... Yeah, there's no way he can do it. You now. can't go back and buy the uh, the bow and arrow now. He can. I stole the you bow can. and arrow. Yeah. He I thought just, you said he, oh, wait, but once you steal something, you can't go back into the town without him, without him zapping you. Just, no, he zaps you, but, I mean, after that, you can buy stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he Take just zaps death. you once. Uh, where is it? I still can't find it. Anyway. And doesn't it change your name to Thief? Yes, yeah. your name is Thief, and it's I think that's pretty damn thing. cool. So, whatever. <laughs> and, and does that version, is that the DX version? Did you get your picture taken as you were stealing? <laughs> I haven't looked at any of the pictures yet, but I've seen that Wait, picture what? before. It's really it takes good. a picture of you jacking stuff? Yeah, yeah. like there's like this CD, <laughs> like you got like this really big bulge in your tunic, and you're just like <laughs> sneaking out the door. It's really <laughs> that's cute. awesome. I didn't yeah, know it did that. You can steal multiple times, and he just keeps killing you. <laughs> it's good. Oh, that's really funny. You don't actually don't need to steal. Uh, uh, it, there's enough treasure chests that give you rupees around. Um, yeah, I've noticed that, but yeah, and actually the uh, uh, the bow and arrow, even though it's nine hundred and eighty dollars, and you know nine 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 is the most you can have. Mm-hmm. By the time you need it, which is like the fifth dungeon, you pro- you should have collected enough yeah. um, treasure that's that you can afford it, no problem. And then yeah. I think in the fifth dungeon, or maybe just outside the fifth dungeon, is a uh, a treasure chest for two hundred rupees. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Lobo was saying that he the rock's feather is the, one of the reasons he loves this game because once he has that, he doesn't use the shield anymore. Like yeah. Ben was saying, he said the feather's evasive quality is much much greater than the shield's defensive stance because you can make such so much more expedient progress as well as follow through onto offense. And yeah. it's true, but for me, I get too excited. And then later on, there's a <laughs> lot of times where like the, the area you fight is very small and there's like water or yeah, spikes. You just jump and, a bit too yeah, far. I just keep killing mm-hmm. myself. I oh, And then the uh, dash jump, it's the first dash is just <laughs> right into the hole. Yeah, and it's yeah. like the second or third that's usually the, okay, now we're going to jump over it. Yeah. So tail cave, any other rocks feather? Good times, fun jumping yeah. around. Let's see, moving on, yeah, you can kind of explore a bit more. Bit. Also, be sure to go back to that first cave when you have bombs because there's a secret seashell. Yeah, that's oh, right. right. Yeah. I gotta do that. I forgot about that. So then you go rescue Bow Wow. Gets it was supposed to be a dog, and we can talk about those Mario <laughs> references stemming from they They're thought it was so a parody, weird. so they put lots in. I actually started a list of all the the Mario references I've seen so far. So let's see. Here's what I got for Mario stuff. We've got Marn and it's kind of like, uh, or Tarn's like Mario. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other chain chomps. Uh, there's Goombas and rocks. Yeah, Goombas and, and, and you jump on them, get a heart. There's Piranha Plants. Piranha too. Plants. Piranha um, plants. W- later on, when you do more of the uh, the tr- uh, fetch quest thing, you there's a Princess Peach photo 
that gets oh, really? traded of, of a girl named Christine, not Princess Peach. <laughs> um, those guys that you have to hit with your shield to flip over or like the spines that the like uh, throws. Uh, I don't know so much about that. It's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but they, I, I they would can agree. only kill them and they drop over, though. I, I, just I like think the there are ones. enemies like that in other Zelda games, though. Yeah, I um, want to say there were. The the fishies, I don't, if you remember them, the yeah. fishies yeah, the, are exactly the, the same. Bloop, not bloopers, uh, the squids, yeah. the bloopers. Yeah, bloop. yeah. Bloop, bloops. Um, of course, uh, King Wart from Super Mario Brothers 2 is the frog that teaches you the oh, and, uh, sweet jam. Mr. Wright is the SimCity um, helper guy. That's right. Dr. Wright? Mr. Wright? I don't know what yeah. his name is. In oh, the, uh, um, fun fact. Um, the character Richard is actually one of the characters in For the Frog, the Bell Tolls. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because he's, he's in a house full of frogs. So it's like, oh, really? Nudge, nudge, nudge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I'm not sure Shit. if he's... I'm not sure if he's the main character or just, like, your companion guy who's, like, the secondary character. But I'm probably going to play some of that game for next week. Oh, Garrett, you forgot to mention what starts the whole uh, trading quest. The item swap thing oh, is Yoshi. Yoshi. Yeah, yeah. Yoshi. And when you get it, the the, uh, the description even says, he's, a, he's popping up in a lot of games lately. <laughs> yeah, that third wall or fourth barrier or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the fourth wall, wall being yeah, broken, which wall. I mm-hmm. I think is funny. I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you rescue Chomp guy, walk around, he eats the, the flowers in the swamp, but... Yeah, they don't really tell you that, okay, now yeah. he's going to eat the shit in front of this <laughs> you go, second No, yeah, but it, they do. It, it just they usually do. happens, though. No, Wait, if you they? go yeah. to old Rero with him, he, he'll he say that. You should take him for a walk to the swamp, because he likes to eat things. And, uh, and so again, it's like, as a kid, I was like, I don't understand what's supposed to do. And the game's trying yeah. to tell you. Oh yeah, I had that cute horrible problem when i was uh, younger yeah um yeah. that thing when they mentioned which i forgot to do is if you walk around with uh bow wow he can uh sniff out uh seashells yes what yeah ben, can no you way. Know, he'll, he'll say your wolf, video dig again? here oh, sorry yeah. yeah he'll say dig here and uh you can <laughs> find a bunch of seashells a little bit easier um, plus he's just great he kills stuff uh, awesome. he's fun having around while you can but you can't progress past the What's his face? Richard won't talk to you if you and have. Well, also the monkeys won't allow you to make the bridge, so you can go to his castle. Yep, yep. There you go. Um, so the boss for Bottle Grotto um, is the genie, which I feel it's was... a, a very un-Zelda boss. I think he's, he's very tough. goofy. He's he, pretty hard. He's pretty yeah. tough. Yeah. He does a lot of damage. Um, I played the original and actually played it a bit on uh, the DX. I did buy it for 3DS. And they changed the dialogue a little bit between the two. Um, he's like, in the beginning, he says, You can't hurt me while I'm in my bottle, which I don't think he says in the original. He just says, hmm. Or no, he does say that, but they say, I, You should throw me it. He gives you a big hint, basically, of what to do yeah. in the DX one that they do not in the original. And I forget Yeah, the I, I, I want to say that the, he just says, Haha, I'm in my bottle. You can't hurt me. Yeah. And that's all oh, he said. Okay. And, and I forget what it, he it says took in the me other one. a while again. Took me a long time as a child to figure out like, oh, I should pick him up and throw him. Yeah. But it, it is in retrospect, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, it's you one of those Zelda got rules. The, gotta use yeah, your you item. Just got item. the new item. You have to use it for this boss. Yeah. Yeah. As um, Omnitarian saying, it's weird to have such a talkative boss. Yeah, Crystal said she was going to call in about that. The fact that these um, all the bosses do talk to you, which is unique, and uh, a Lobo's theory, or what you want to call it, of that these bo- the nightmares, the bosses, are these mm-hmm. manifestations of um, not wanting to wake up, so that's why they talk to you. They're this huh. evil that doesn't want to wake they, up. They, they even have like dialogue that 
carries the story forward when you defeat them. We saw this at the end of a. It starts at the end of the fifth dungeon where mm-hmm. uh, when they actually give you like I'm, I was it would premonitions be the right word, but they give you uh, predictions. They 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 give you ominous like you you know you really don't know what you're doing here, kid. Uh, which I I think is I think it's awesome. I think it's a, a, a really, cool. really really brilliant. Um, like who is really the villain here? Yeah, mm. yeah, that's what I think the story. Even if they don't tell the story in a very intricate way, the ideas they're presenting are very deep. You can do very has a nice metaphysical stuff, it. right? Very yeah. existential. Um, what is reality? So after you beat the second dungeon, you get into this, which is another kind of odd way. Like like uh, Derek was saying, you had to do this prerequisite to get into the dungeon. You got to go to Canalet Castle where you get the golden leaves. Yeah, and it's like almost like a mini dungeon, a little bit. A little, yeah. Um, it's, and it's, it's fun. It's pretty I linked it. to the pasty. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I'm, to stick that so late in the game, because th- they did that in Link the Past when you had to get Zelda, you had to, ca- you mm-hmm. had to save Zelda. Yeah. To do it in the middle of the game like that was something. It's yeah, something it's weird. new, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in Link to the Past, it was next dungeon, next dungeon, next dungeon, next dungeon, and if you yeah. wanted to explore the world with your magic mirror and try and find heart pieces, you could. But really, it was just on to the next one. Yeah. And, and this one broke that structure, and I think. We yeah. saw more more of that as, as Zelda gets progressed. It is unique, um, I thought, because they use up one, two, three, four, five, six, almost twelve squares of the map for something that doesn't you don't really ever go back <laughs> to. Like, there's no reason. Whereas most of the map, most of the game, there's you're going back to places, right? Like, there's usually a reason to. But this is an area where once you get those five golden leaves, you you don't ever need to pass through there ever yeah, again. And that's interesting because I think. I feel like a place like that, a giant castle, should have some sort of tie-in with the story other than this dude got kicked out, go get his stuff back. But and that goes know. back to that whole freewheeling nature of how they developed the game. Eh, it's okay. Just throw yeah, a castle yeah. in there. It's cool. <laughs> it's uh, Zelda. We need a castle in there. This middle. is the point you have to have a shovel. And I can tell you, as a kid, I love that shovel. I would just go <laughs> dig and dig the whole freaking game, and I would find the shells and... I just dig everywhere, and I think I had uncovered every spot that you could dig on the entire map as a kid. Wow. Like, that was so much fun That's to crazy. me. I loved it. It was good times. Uh, key Cavern, kind of annoying, I think. This is where the game starts to get a little tougher, because you got to have so many freaking keys. I think that one was alright. Um, I, I was I having think, a tough time. I want to say in the second dungeon, you could actually skip a door. And I think going yep, into key dungeon, can. I had an extra. I had an extra key. You can as well if you're smart enough and you don't worry about needing like a compass or a map. There's lots of places you can. Uh, oh, yeah, you brought the idea. Key. The compass. This brings us something I really, oh, really hate. God, let's do it. <laughs> you're talking about text. All the, the t- text? all the talking to you. It's like so long winded. Well, not only that, every single time you approach a diamond, you rub against anything. You rub against jar. anything. Whoa, this is real heavy. I can't lift this with my shut the there, hell. I know. There are four I screens. Four screens of text you have to skip through to get through yeah. that. Oh, it has, it, it has a new thing. It has a, a new, new feature. <laughs> I know. I'm in the fifth friggin' dungeon. It's, you think this up. is the first time I've gotten this compass? Like, <laughs> I'm going to rage on the, the text for a while. Yeah. And then every and, single time you, you accidentally brush up against a pot or a, or a, a crystal mm. Ooh, or a key, a, key, uh, a key block. Do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> oh, who was it that was saying that they thought that I'm going to find it in the forum thread? But they were saying they felt this game was really wordy. And mm-hmm. at first, I was like, "It was well, me." That oh, was it you? Yep. <laughs> that I agree to that, but I also think that 
um, the reason it might feel more wordy is because there's so not a lot of room for text. Like you yeah, can almost only fit two words on a line. There's that too, but there's also not in a lot of games. You know how like if you hit B or something, all the text will appear. Yeah, and like you can just like, skip room. it, sort of. But you can't do that in this game. And that, I feel this would be okay if it didn't have that sort of repetition. And it just insisting that you need to know how awesome this new compass you got is. Or if there's <laughs> a new we're really interest. proud of this compass, guys. Yeah, we did it. It makes noise now. But no, there was an instance early on in the game where like Bow Wow gets kidnapped, where those little kids that are throwing the ball, like they they're the first people you see after you come out of the like the tail cavern. Oh yeah, and they're freaking out. So like yeah, they freak out and they come to you. But if you go back through them for any other reason, you have to see them stop throwing the ball, walk on over to you, and talk to you for, like, 12 uh, screens of text. Yeah, and I, I'm getting – I get shades of Paper Mario. Like, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. This is not as charming or as funny as you think it <laughs> yeah. is. This is just annoying. Yeah, yeah well, let me uh, let me play a voicemail here because I want to make sure we get through this at a more even pace. So, Hello, fan gamer. This is Kyle Stoddard calling from New Brunswick, Canada. Link's Awakening was the first Zelda I ever finished, followed by Twilight Princess. I'm currently working on Ocarina of Time. Link's Awakening may be one of my favorite games of all time, if only for the fact that it's the, one of the first I did finish on my own, no guides. I spent the whole yeah. summer playing it, in fact. I received games from my parents based on a beat it now, and you get a new game policy. So, <laughs> it was a long summer. I've played all the games in the series besides the other handheld titles. To keep it brief, here are some of my thoughts and questions on Link's Awakening so far. How does this game stack up to the other handheld titles, i.e., should I check them out? What is up with all the references to the Mushroom Kingdom? <laughs> is this the third most difficult Zelda, behind Zelda 2 and 1? The first dungeon was a real wake-up call with tricky combat, low health, and a little platforming. Lastly, I would love to see some Link's Awakening-inspired merch on Fangamer. Windfish? Anyways, thanks for the great show, and bye for now. All right. Thanks to the, the good voicemail, by the way. Yeah. Good voicemail. Um, so we've addressed some of those, the Mario stuff, and um, I haven't played the other ones, the other handheld set. Derek, have you played, like, Oracles or uh, 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 Oracle Seasons and Oracle of uh, yeah. Ages. Ages. Ages, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Have you played um, those? I, I've dabbled. I've never beat them, but I've mm -hmm. played them both about halfway through, and yeah, uh, they are, if you, if you think that, if memory serves me right, um, if you think... This game is is has hard puzzles, and it's hard combat. You ain't seen nothing. I, I recall it's those games. Much there harder. was one one dungeon that threw me completely for a loop. I want to say it was in ages. I was stuck on this thing for ever. I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to push this one button, and it's the only time in probably a Zelda game ever that you can pick up a pot and throw it. But in this one room, you can push the pot what? onto the switch, and I think I I got to that point in ages and was like, "Screw this game." Uh, <laughs> in terms of difficulty, though, I don't think that this I, one is. I, I also more hear difficult. seasons is the better game. I don't find it difficult really yeah, at all, but it, I can't really say. It gets say harder it. as it goes, but it's not. It seems uh, it seems like a logical progression. Yeah, it's like though. a it normal Zelda game. Much. So I feel like the only thing that this game has as far as difficulty is that like the screen is so small that like. You don't have a bigger, a big enough venue to like sort of dodge enemies as easily yeah, sometimes. Yeah, combat and so yeah, yeah, you get hit a lot, and that's why I got like the uh, the blue tunic from the. Colored yeah, I, I haven't done the research on this, but I I, I hypothesize that Link to the Past, sorry, uh, 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 Link's Awakening, 
they were still establishing the Game Boy as a legitimate system. Mm-hmm. And up to that point, the Game Boy was just this kind of cute little, oh, let's let's take a Nintendo game, dumb it down, make it black and white, and, and crap yeah. it onto the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think up to that point, up until, what, 93, 94, that's all the, uh, that's really all, that's, that's really all the Game Boy was. And this was one of the first attempts to really, like this and Wario World, I think were the first mm. attempts to really make the Legitimate Game Boy games. its own system. And so, yeah, there is still some work to be done to make, to make that happen. Yeah. Fair enough. But I haven't researched that, so I might be I might be off on that. I don't know. Um, one other thing we should talk about a little bit is once you get the Pegasus boots and you beat that dungeon, you get the you can do the Dream Shrine, which is kind of an interesting little oh, yeah. segment where you fight these little I always think like chickens that have been uh, all the feathers removed and they have like faces oh. on their bellies, <laughs> the little arm but, really guys. But you get the Ocarina, like we were saying earlier. Is this the first Ocarina in a Zelda game? And it might officially be but then you go out to yarn desert and you fight like a mini boss to get the key which is very linked to the past because it's that yeah. sandworm yeah uh you fight that guy um well you mentioned this game started out as a port yeah of like yeah. the past so there's That's probably really a lot of things that were already there and then you had yeah. to build a game around it mm, this is definitely put these things they already made in it Getting to the, I think, was it fifth engine or the fourth engine is definitely one where there's a lot of in-between stuff. Because I think, is this where the date finally happens? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, right. you, you have to get the Ocarina and get... you go to the Animal Village. So and look... they're like, we, there's a key to the dungeon, but it's behind this lazy walrus. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk yeah. about the, uh, the date real quick here while we still have Ben with us. So the date, there's all kinds of fun things you can do with her after. Do you guys know this? Like, once you meet her on the beach and really? she talks about how she... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, praise yeah. to the windfish to make her a seagull so she can fly away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you walk around with her, right? But you can go do things. Like you can go play the trendy game, and oh, she'll yeah. play it. And when what? she does, she um, she picks up the the dude who runs it. She goes and makes the crane pick him up, and then it drags him over and then drops <laughs> him on the conveyor belt, and he comes off the edge, which That's was awesome. really funny. And then he kicks you out. He's like, hey. You guys are really good at this game. You're pros. No pros allowed. And he kicks you <laughs> out. Um, That's awesome. In the town, there's that spot where you jump, um, like jump down and get the heart piece. You know what I'm talking about? Like into the little well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you do that with her, you hit, the, you jump down first, and then she comes after and lands on your head and makes that bong noise. And she goes, oh, <laughs> are you okay? Um, there's a couple other things you can do. Did I write them all? I think I did. Um, probably, you probably go, can you go fishing with her? And she... Oh, cheers you along or something fishing Maybe. I didn't write them down i was just I know, so you surprised can, um, you could do that I you can go get really the fun. uh the face key with her because i did that and like before you go and she's like oh it's scary in there i don't want to go in and then like she waits and once you come out she's like oh you're so hurt you should be more careful you big old jerk oh and <laughs> if you talk yeah. to the kids like derek was saying they comment on um like you're on a date and mm. if you hurt any animals like the dogs or the um the chickens chicken uh she gets really upset about that so that's awesome yeah i didn't know about that this is the first time i've ever done a lot of that stuff so that was really fun do you have the, the strategy guy for for links away right there i have the yeah i, I, I used to Nintendo have that and one. i recall the back of it has all these cool easter eggs you can do in the game mm. oh, a it whole does. section about yeah a whole section about here's cool shit in the game you probably didn't even know the trendy game stuff how to get powder oh yeah all kinds of stuff Bomb tricks. That, there, I'll be careful. There's actually some spoilers about the ending. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just FYI. Shielding Dude. link. Oh, and they have little ratings of like how much each trick is cool, like how many stars of fun. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's tons of stuff. I haven't looked at this yet. Yeah. Okay. I don't. 
I'm gonna have to shit? I'm gonna have to run here in a minute. But um, just as I guess some closing thoughts from me. I know you guys are gonna continue, but um, like playing this game, I'm enjoying it. But it really doesn't feel like a Zelda game to me, and I'm not entirely sure why that is. Maybe really? it's like the Mario references and like just the fact that you can jump, and there are so many things that are unique to this game that you don't see in other games, at least until way later. And like, I there are just very few moments that make me remember that. Oh yeah, this is a Zelda game. It's like all like usually when hmm. I'm I'm going through a dungeon or just doing something. But it's does it feel it's, unique? Like you've never played it, or like. Does it remind you of another game? Or? No, it's not like any other game. It's just like hmm. very not Zelda. And maybe it's because like Kazumi Totaka did the music instead of Koji Kondo. Or it's there's just all these weird anomalies. But hmm. it's weird. And it's unique. And I dig it. Weird. All right. That and, you, like, you guys, you, you blew my mind a second ago when like you're, you just mentioned the bosses as nightmares. And knowing certain things, that's blowing my mind right now. Anyway... <laughs> Um, I'll catch you guys later. I gotta go okay. to work. Ben's right, gotta yeah, go, later, ben. so we're gonna, we're gonna continue on without him. I'm gonna have to adjust the video. Man, I hate that guy. He's so dumb. Yeah. That oh, he's still, oh, hey, Ben. I uh, I love you. You're the best. <laughs> Ben's the best. All right, he's, see you, Ben. That's why they call him Ben. Ben, ben the best. <laughs> All right. We'll start with B. This is the Derek and Garrett podcast. Let's continue on. Where are we at? <laughs> Angler's <laughs> Cave, <laughs> right? Yeah, we just finished our date with Marin. That's, yep. that's over. So now we're rocking um, Angler's Cave. Uh, I always, this cracked me up. Like, you get the Pegasus boots, but you only see an icon for one boot, and there's room for two. You get the fins, there's only one fin. So I always imagined Link <laughs> is rocking around with, like, a boot on one shoe and then a, fi- a flipper, and that's how he gets along. And he has <laughs> a feather that he, like, holds yeah, onto and jumps. Yeah, cap. <laughs> yeah the but this is i actually really enjoyed this this uh level i had uh, a lot of heart a tough time with key cavern for some reason but i really had a no, good time th- here this this one kicked my ass as a kid because i was too dumb to know the boss fight with the skeleton dude that was definitely a very confusing element because it's like one of the first times in the game where you fight the same guy multiple times and, and he never and really he's dies. not actually even the money boss. There's yeah. still a proper mini boss after that. Although is this the one with the, what are they called? The little spider looking things. Is that this one? Or is that the next one? I think that's the next one. So the spider looking things that you shoot them in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Guys. That was, that's the mini boss of this one. You have to have the, uh, you have to have the bow and arrow. No. Cause you can skip them. Is that this level? Am I thinking the right one? Anchor's cave. Let's see here. Healer's Cave map. Because what's the reward in this one? Is this hookshot? Or do you get? But you get you get the hookshot from beating the uh, the skeleton dude. I think you have to beat them to get like either a key or the so boss key. Are we getting things confused here? I think we're getting things confused here. Angler's Cave is the one under the waterfall. Yeah. Oh, the catfish's maw. Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. That's the next one. So Angler's Cave is where you do a lot of the. Um, you're st- swimming for the first time, and there's like the oh, hidden. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of the uh, the waterfall. Yeah, this one. I'm sorry. I, yeah, this one is definitely not as confusing, but it definitely has these elements where you're exploring more things with the fins, so you can mm-hmm. swim underwater. And there's certain things you can't traverse until you get them. Um, and you're using the Pegasus boots to kind of jump over that plus gap, the kind of like that main artery for the whole map. Or in order to go across, you got to jump across the three here, or you got to jump from the south to north. Yeah, um, 
and then you have the the underground portions that has like the little chomp that you have not the chomp like the thwomp sure but you yeah. have to like run into pegasus dash to break one of them so he comes down yeah and and I like, I like how they have faces <laughs> and they look at you and they look really uh, yeah perturbed. there's one the one really early on when you get the uh if you get the power bracelet and you stand on a ledge and it just comes that the, your your weight pushes it down mm-hmm. and there's the one that uh when you step on it has this like face. yeah so like he's really not happy with what you yeah been and up. then you have to get a a, a pot to weigh him <laughs> yeah, down and little touches like that i thought were really yeah. funny speaking of which uh someone had a question here what was it kawaii how old are you guys uh playing this the first time i have to think about that i was i, really th- I want to say it was my 10th birthday I mean, I was really young. I was like, oh, maybe 12? Yeah, 12 or 13 at the oldest, and I had a really hard time <laughs> with it. When, when did it come out? That, that'll, I, I, my brother got it for me. It came out. The birthday after. Oh, I didn't write that down. It came out a year and a half after Link to the Past did. Uh, I know that. Uh, Somewhere close it's to. It's like August 93, so I got this April 94 then. Yeah, right around there. Um, other than then that, I got the DX version pronto, like when that came out. Do you, so the boss for this dungeon is the fish, and that is just the most lame fight I think. Unless I I glitched it because like I would just swim above him and aim down and just mm-hmm. keep swinging that sword, and he died almost instantly. And he doesn't say anything. He's like blah blah gloop gloop, <laughs> and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That was something I, I had under bad. Uh, some of the bosses and most of the mini bosses are pushovers, like no challenges at all. Yeah, that's true. Um, the dungeons make up for it, though, in terms of difficulty. Yeah. Sometimes none of the dungeons I felt were pushovers, except like the, the first few. But yeah. that's to be expected. So like, most of the mini bosses are lame, and a couple of the actual bosses are to- total pushovers. Yeah. So when you actually leave um, this this dungeon and you finish up, um, is the ghost? come to you immediately or what do you do to trigger it because i go and get the the mambo song right we go like we're it talking takes ben. a couple of screens before it shows up it it, it it i every single time i've played it i think it's always scared the crap out of me because me I too about it. when i was a kid it took me a while before i figured out what was going on because i didn't have the sound going sometimes i'd be playing like somewhere you couldn't have sound and all of a sudden i would see something fall i'm like what is then i try and kill it and i can't and it would spook the crap out of me yeah it was really cool, I, I think that little touches like that are, that is that is a really interesting idea that you have to help this poor soul yeah like remember who the, he is again and then take him to his grave what do they call the like the intermezzo the the in between the dungeon sections are mm-hmm. really rewarding in this game i think that they're not just go back like you're saying with your new item and explore it's okay do that but then we're going to throw some more story at you in some mm-hmm. way it may not tie directly to the plot but it'll in, enrich in the experience and taking this guy back to his house and have to figure out where it is and then when he goes there and he looks around and he's like oh nostalgia and i remember when that came up as a kid i'm like what is that nostalgia yeah. like, i don't know what that word means and i had to go ask my mom I'm like what does that mean it's like remembering things i'm like oh how sad it's like take me back to my grave now um and then he you have do you have the dx version i don't and when i was playing someone said that the dx version does something different there um it's not not really but uh it's it's a place where your picture is taken oh so it's like like an earthbound sort of thing then 
Yeah, no, it totally is. And it's a really, really touching moment where uh, the guy shows up and he's like, oh, pleasure to see you there. Do you want to pose in front of this uh, this tombstone? And you're like, yeah, sure. And so it, it, it switches to like kind of an SD anime yeah. kind of picture. And Ness, Ness, Link gets situated and he kind of poses. And then right when the picture is taken, the uh, uh, the ghost shows up and he's on the top corner and he's like smiling and waving. And it's, it's actually a pretty touching moment. I think it's really, really cute. Yeah, I wrote that uh, down. That this whole um, ghost section was, again, very unique to Zelda, I think. I can't really think of a lot of other times that just throws something like that at you. Um, and there's been ghosts in the series before, but like have. that kind of, you're tasked to help a lost soul i think is a really that's a really really cool moment probably just in the whole series it's a very memorable moment and a, and a surprisingly uh touching and very unique different one that really st- has always stayed with me i think it's one of the one of those things that really elevates this one to make it as ben was saying like really unique and maybe not exactly a zelda game but yeah. perhaps that's what i really like about it yeah, what's this? Some nerd is saying that's all from Twin Peaks. What is? Oh, like maybe the era that it came out, the Twin Peaks yeah. was rocking right around the same time. Um, let's see what other notes that I, I might have even be this. able to pull up that picture. Hold on, I'm not sure how the pictures work. Oh, do I have to actually go to the dude's house? I don't know how you look at the pictures in it. I might be able to figure this out. Uh, let's see what else. You got to do a lot more of the fetch quest here to get... You can actually get the mermaid scales here, I think, because you... Yeah, you do. Okay, so the mermaid scale part, Crystal was telling me about this. So when you get the fetch quest all the way up to the point where you see the mermaid in the bay, the, mm-hmm. there's actually differences between the Japanese and the American version. So in the Japanese version, uh, or in the American version, she says that I lost my necklace in the water. Can you help me get it back? Um, and when you go give her it back, she really, like she blushes about it right like it's kind of weird why is she blushing about you giving her a necklace back like you kind of and when you dive under to go take a scale she's like you know just take that don't take anything else right in the japanese version she loses her top and that's what you're going to get back is her top which is just so japanese Wait, you, you, you just grab her bra and just take off no, no. So remember when you're in the the bay, she's like, "I've lost my necklace. I need that. Can you get it?" Right, in Japanese right. version, "I've lost my top. Can you go get that back for me?" Uh, and that's, that's what the fisherman apparently fishes up um, for for her with the hook. So, oh, did you want to? See, I, actually, I have the picture that's taken yeah, by the. Let's the see grid. it. I'll I'll describe it for people here. Uh, I can't can really make. It looks like a. Oh, yeah, I can kind of see him next to a, a big grave that's a lot bigger than him. I'm waiting for the uh, RN to uh, figure itself out. Back. There we that? go. Yeah, and you can see the ghost kind of up in the corner and the grave in the middle, and Link has a really, really big head. Yeah, sorry, it's really refle- <laughs> reflecting. Yeah, it, it's, I'll hold stuff. It's, I don't know. I, re- I really, really like that sequence with the ghost. It's It seems out of place, but still uh, very... Very kind of ominous and memorable. I thought that was a really, really nice touch. Um, all right, so let's get into, I think, the last dungeon that we're supposed to do for this one. So that is Catfish Maw. And yeah. we're going to actually save the part that happens after this, the kind of spoiler thing for when Ben comes back for next week, because it really gets into the bigger story. Uh, but yeah, Cat- this is when, at this point in the game, this, they've done a good job of setting up the plight of Ness. I don't keep saying Ness. Because you love Earthbound. 
I do. People give me shit for it. I love that game. So good. Earthbound. It is. It's a great game. And at this point, they start... It's like the arc continues. Like I think that's one thing this game has over a lot of Zelda games. I, I want to say... I'm not caught up on all the Zelda games, so I might be wrong. But this one has a good arc. Like, has has a good beginning, middle, and end. And, and a story that stretches the entire way. And it starts around this time when you get deeper into the game. As you start yeah. learning more about... About kind of you know who that, what that is this of, like, place? Who really is the villain? What's actually going on here? Yeah, and that's one of the fun things is you yeah the first half you think you know who the bad guy is, but they really make you question as you go along. Well, I would think maybe you don't. As a kid, you're like, yeah, I'm out of here. But um, you know, what are you going to do if you leave this place? You know, mm-hmm. what happens and is it worth that? So, and I always did find it interesting that from what I can tell from the characters. Marin is like the only person who's actually ever interested in leaving the island during the the date sequence. She talks about wanting to fly away. Everyone That's all else? she talks about. She just completely opens herself up to Link, right? And, that, and she sees him as person. this. She's like, "You washed up on this island. You're the first thing that didn't come from here. So you're proof that there is something else out there. And you're yeah. this, you you kind of spark this uh, thing inside of her. Uh, and you know, she even asks you like, "Hey, are you even listening to me?" Because she kind of. <laughs> She has. A, I think she has that moment where she realizes she opened herself too much. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that in the manga, they said that whatever her name was was similar to a word that meant uh, a bit annoying, like they talk too much, that her name was similar to that. And I thought, in the game, I never really got that too much, except for, like, you were saying, she, are you listening to me? But you don't really interact with her enough that I would say that. Oh, yeah, no, I thought really that annoying. was a moment of embarrassment for her, like, she... She doesn't open herself up. People yeah. see her as this beautiful girl with a great voice, and but perhaps no one really kn- knows her for her. She doesn't have a lot of people. Like her, her father Taryn is. I assume Taryn was her father, right? Yeah, I think that's what uh, we're... is is a big goof. He's never around. He's always getting in trouble. Uh, and I kind of took it as she doesn't really have, and she doesn't really belong there. There's no she's, one else like her age. She's accepted there, and she has a role with those people, and they, they love her, but not for... They love her because she sings, not because the person that she is. And, you know, she sees something in, in Link, and I think there's a lot going on in that scene where they're talking at the beach. Yeah. It's a good sequence, and it kind of reminds, like, an Earthbound where you've got, like, uh, the coffee scenes, where you yes, just sit yes. down and chat for a while. Yeah. Okay, Catfish Ma, uh, what you were saying earlier when we were accidentally talking about it, yeah complex there's a lot going on in this map uh, before you get the hook shot traversing this dungeon is a pain in the butt there's a lot of bad guys can only kill from certain angles um there's a mini boss that you don't actually have to fight the golmas you don't have mm-hmm. to kill them you can i didn't you can actually go through the whole uh dungeon without fighting them um, but the hookshot is like my favorite item in the game. And this is the hook, first hookshot I ever had in any Zelda game because it was the first I played. I love the crap out of that thing. So it's just, so handy, too. You were talking about those guys buddy. with the, the metal face. Yep. Oh, pull God, it's so off. much nicer to just pull that metal shit off. And you can hit him again with the... You yeah. have to strike him with bam. the sword. Just, yeah. Or like, uh, oh, I need to get... There's some rupees over there from that bat. I'll just, you know, hookshot. Go grab those for yep. me. So yep. good. So good. And also, it just it's so much more satisfying than a boomerang. Just that, like, yeah, wow, the boomerang wow. in this game is a little um, underwhelming when you get it later. But I suppose we can save that for later. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, we should have talked about the seashells that you gather throughout. We did mention them, but like, 
that, that that's an odd mechanic a little bit that you use these almost collectible items that you have to go find to get the second level sword. I mean, that's the I've Lord. always thought that was kind of dumb. Yeah, because in what, Link to the Past, you kind of you buy an upgrade. Um, you kind of do that little mini quest to find the guy to, I think, buy an upgrade again, and then you like toss it into the pond to get like the final one, right? But you don't ever just like, okay, go find these twenty jinjos throughout the map, and uh, you know, come back and then upgrade your sword. Um, but eh, it's okay. Somebody said and, you don't actually you have to get even, all of you them. You can't even get all the shells until God. At least I think you- actually, at the point we're at now, I think you can. You can get enough to get the sword. Is what I was told. Uh, I think Kevin said. I want to say you need at. to have the flying rooster to get one or two of them. Yeah, but I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm, I, I just beat the fifth dungeon. I haven't had a chance to. Uh, I, I rushed from the fifth dungeon to the color dungeon, or from the fourth dungeon to the color dungeon, mm-hmm. and then to the fifth dungeon. So I haven't. It's like two sequences of going around the map and just collecting stuff with my new items. I haven't done yet. Um, but I have 17 shells right now. Oh, you're doing pretty good. There's. 20 or 25 i forget yeah charlie's saying you only need to get 20 and there's more than 20 in the game um, really yeah that's i didn't know that either but i want to go back oh, to the, there's 25 but you only need 20 yeah. okay i see um, i wanted to talk more about the the go back to stalfos the boss or the mini boss in this and how you fight him several times is it just me or like i always thought when he moved his hands apart that's when you're supposed to hit him like when he pulls the shield and sword back, but like on this time, I just went to his, not his, like to the right side of the screen and just attack from there, and I could always hit him pretty much no yeah. matter where he was. And I thought that was kind of a like you were saying these mini bosses sometimes are a letdown. I mean, you fight them four times, but like it's never really a challenge if you can find figure that out. Yeah, that, that it just takes a while to know how to knock them down. And yeah. Then you throw. Then you throw a bomb on his. Yeah. On his and that's bones. how you do the damage. And once you figure that out, and then once you understand the corners, I have a one, two, three, four. That's the setup. Yep. Um. Then uh, it's easy peasy, right? Once you figure it out, it's easy. But up to that point, especially as a kid, that one had. Well, it's a very expansive map. I don't know if you'll be able to see this if I put it up here, but um, there's a lot going on. And this is one where you have to backtrack a lot and it gets really, really confusing. And I was yeah. getting frustrated. I think Marty was watching me play. He's like, yeah, I always get stuck here. Cause there's just, and there's, there's a also a ton lost. of under, uh, underground stuff too. It isn't. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot of warps, a lot of one ways, four of them. It's, and you'll yeah. have to fight that one mini boss. Um, but the actual boss is, I actually really enjoy this fight. It's definitely a good challenge because he's got that little whip tail in the middle that spins around. Yeah. And you got to get his head out. But it was a very Zelda fight to me. Like, this is always like, reminds like when you first get the bombs in Ocarina and you got to throw them in his mouth to, to fight him and the the Dodongo guy. Yeah. But yeah, I always really enjoyed that one. So I think that's technically where we're going to talk for this week. Um, I know Face Shrine is where we said, but that gets into some major spoilers. Yeah, there is the, the, the in-between. There's the quest to get the key, and there's also the... That's where you go to that, that one shrine. Yeah, I accidentally did that because I and forgot what it was. And there's a huge bit of backstory there. That's, yeah. E- even the owl comes out afterwards and goes, Okay, dog, you just saw some shit. Um, <laughs> Are you okay? You want to yeah, talk about uh, it? That's, I can't really explain it, dude, but trust me, just keep going, please. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's some really fun revelations to make at that point. So yeah, I, think- I really hope the people listening uh, beat this game because I'm looking forward to when we have the wrap up discussion. Yeah, next I really want to get into the story in this game, and I really hope the folks listening, you know, on the forums and in the chat right now, please finish this game because I think we're gonna have a really, really good discussion. Yeah. On the story and how this game wraps Very up. Existential. Who is? And the also, bad guy? this also is one of my favorite games. I'm gonna geek out. <laughs> Pretty hard. Yeah, I'm gonna totally geek out. <laughs> okay. That'll be and good. I think I've made a pretty good name for myself on the internet as being a guy that geeks out on <laughs> games. So hopefully... Hold true to does. form. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then with that, I think we're going to close up for the show today. We'll take a short break, and then we will officially close out the show. So stay with us. Link's Awakening is a funny entry in the series. Not ha-ha funny, but hmm, that's interesting funny. So on the occasion of this Fangamer Game Club, I went back to Coquelint, intending to solve that strangeness. What is it that makes Awakening so different from the rest of the series? Obviously, there's overarching changes in the plot and level design, but there are also things that you don't really latch onto until the end of the game. No, I was looking for something that happens right off the bat. And in retrospect, it's actually quite obvious. The Rock's Feather, found in the very first dungeon of the game. It gives Link the ability to jump at will. Not like in the 3D games where you have to run to the edge of a cliff and hope you thrust into the air, rather than taking a dive or trying to scale down the side. And not just any old pansy jump like in Zelda 2 where you could barely catch enough air to get on top of a Salphos. This is a solid lengthy jump, capable of carrying you over one or even two squares worth of pits. Three if you get a running start with the Pegasus boots first. Not to mention the invaluable vertical heft it affords you in the side-scrolling passages. I would argue that it is the definitive item of this particular title. And yet it's also very subtle. As I said, you find it almost immediately in the tail cage. By the time you're as far into the game as we are, it's become second nature. Got holes in your way? Break out the feather. See one of those floating items with the little wings? It's time for jumping. Witness the river rapids area. 16 squares of steering and leaping. Even just wandering around, I have the feather equipped more often than anything else, even the shield of boomerang, because this Zelda, more than any other, puts movement at the fore. And that's why this game feels so different. In most of the others, the main underlying philosophy is the battle, how you fight. The original introduced the basic overhead attack concept. In Link's Old Adventure, we got high and low aiming. Ocarina of Time gave us Z-targeting, or if you're Canadian like me, Z-targeting. And yes, there's battles to be won in Awakening, but those enemies are secondary to the real enemy, the environment itself. What's holding you back in your progress? It's not stronger foes, although they do evolve over the course of the game. No, it's the bushes, the holes, rocks, water, yawning chasms. And if you don't have the right tools, whether it's the sword or the feather or the bracelet or the flippers or the hookshot, you ain't going nowhere. Link's Awakening. Different because of movement. For Fangamer, I'm Kevin Williams. Hey. Hey. I'm just What's going on? Messing around here with some stuff, seeing. <laughs> Look at to... Scoops. He's having a great time. Okay. Well, that's not quite working how I'd hope. I was going to see. Um, I'll mess with this a bit more, but. What? No. I want to try and on? live stream in the game uh, for next week, like beating it or certain points that we want to talk about and be able to show it for people. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, oh, like live going through the end of the game? 
yeah, so like we'd be on part of it and then have the game and show the ending or I don't know, something like that. Oh, that boss cool. fight, that final boss fight's pretty tough. Yeah, and I'm not that awesome. <laughs> Sometimes I tend to die. Oh, come on. Uh, You're pretty much see. the most awesome guy ever, Garrett. That, well, I mean, that's what my wife tells me and my mom. So, And they're definitely <laughs> not biased is what I think. And my dogs, yeah. they say that too. Okay, let's uh, let's close up the show here because Ben's going to be like, oh, man, so much editing. I wasn't part of, oh, I want to tell him things. So um, so first, Derek, thank you for being on. We're going to do this again next week, so that'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always love coming on and chatting with you guys. It's always yeah. a great time. It's always fun. And then we'll get to hang out at PAX soon, dude. Oh, I'm so super stoked. I, I had this realization about PAX. I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet fan gamer folks. Oh, and dude, like, I'm so really looking forward to meeting Frazier. You know, I want to meet oh, that yeah. guy. Well, I've been I met a fan him before, of his work for a really long time. But like, what I was didn't, that? I didn't know who he was. Like, I'd met Fraser before, before we actually kind of worked with him. And I'm like, who is this guy? But now, you know, we've had him on the podcast. I talked to him a lot, and now it'll be fun to hang out with him. And I'm just really looking forward to trying to get as many of our our different bros together, and hopefully, like, yeah. go out to dinner or I don't know, something really fun. Well, like that. we mentioned, uh, I'm not. We had an email conversation back yeah, and forth. We're that, that, do a... that the panel didn't work out, yeah. and then I was like, "Hey, I've got an audio interface and some mics. Let's do this shit." Yeah, and then and then Fraser's like, "I got lapel mics," and I was like, oh, "All right, well, this shit's <laughs> wow. done then." Yeah, it might be really fun because uh, for those listening, we had we were going to try and do a panel for uh, PAX, and the premise of the panel was going to be Derek, two player guys, uh, the track mode people. Um, Fraser and Reed all on a panel basically talking about what it is to be uh, like a professional fan of video games. What can you do if you love games that isn't necessarily game developer, tester, or journalist? You know, what what else is there in that realm to kind of take your fandom and do something professional with it? Maybe make a living or some money on the side. And I only wanted to be a part of that panel because I really wanted to meet, like, two-player productions and Frasier. I don't actually belong in that panel at all. <laughs> but, dude, you're going to get to meet him anyway. Um, yeah. Because we'll all hang out. It's fun. Um, but uh, there were tons of panel submissions this year compared to previous years, and we didn't, unfortunately, make the cut. Um, but we thought well, that would still be an interesting podcast. So we're thinking we might try and get them together. But PAX is, as Derek will come to find out, very – tons of stuff happening. So it's hard to yeah, nail yeah, people yeah, down. In addition to broing it up, I want to do it up with all my bros. But also I think I realized, like, yeah, it's I can, like, play games, like, test new games, oh, stuff. Yeah. I've never been to a game convention like that before. Oh, I've so only ever fun. been to MadFest. If you um, – have you ever heard about that Xbox game that like the mechs and like it was like three hundred dollars when it came out and it had like the full like Steel Battalion. Yeah. They have yeah. like that there and they have like eight of them. So you can actually play versus people and you don't have to pay anything. You can just But it's so hard to figure my actually my friend actually bought it and I swear to god he spent an hour just trying to figure out how to play the stupid game. Yeah. It's so no, complicated. It is. It's really difficult. Watch the oil pressure and turn the auto yeah. engine on and all this crazy shit. Yeah, and if you don't like flip the glass lid and turn the key and hit the eject button, you're dead. Your guy's gone. Your save file gets deleted. It's game over. So Yeah. Oh, that's a fun that, time. So No, not me, for me. <laughs> let, let me get some of the business stuff out of the way here. So Oh, sorry, sorry. Um before I forget, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Derek, what's your Twitter if they want to check out what you're doing? Uh, Derek Alexander, all one word, D-E-R-E-K, Alexander. And then if they want to see your happy video game stuff, where can they go? Go to RetroWarTV.com. Uh, a lot of great stuff there, too, uh, including Pat the NES Punk, who was that, that dummy who called 
I guess I gotta call him after I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> that guy. That guy. <laughs> that that big stupid dummy. <laughs> There's a lot of really great shows, so please check out RetroWarTV.com. Um, and then you guys had your album just come out. Things are going yes, well. Yes, uh, my buddy Calvin. We were on just the other day. Yeah. Uh, a couple episodes Too back. Cool. Yep. Man Who Made a Choice is a free EP. Please check it out. But I think most people who are down with Starship Amazing already picked that shit up because, man, uh, I, I can't go into specific numbers, but uh, very, very good. Definitely like the, a new benchmark for us. Oh, that's great. Very successful. And no what about, um, on that. didn't Calvin finally come out with some of his tracks? Yeah, Calvin does. He has a, a solo project called Form and Shape. Uh, I think it's at formandshape.com. He just dropped some new tracks, um, yeah. and they're, they're really good. Uh, I had nothing to do with them except that I was like, "Dude, you have to get tracks out." <laughs> Trying to finish it up, man. Get it going. Yeah, and he's like, "I'll do shit by my birthday," and I was like, "Yes, do that." And I even like texted him a couple times, like, "How you doing, man? <laughs> Got the songs done?" Uh, that's like me in the podcast. Like, come on, how are we doing, Ben? You uh, yeah. <laughs> things happening? Yeah, my birthday. That's a little show I did by <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, was it off. Ben's birthday recently? Did I miss his birthday? No, it's or... just not a very great joke, time-wise. Okay, right. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I didn't want to miss Ben's birthday. He's a no, I don't think so. Um, let's see, what else? And uh, Scoops has a Twitter, too. Go right, ahead and, Scoops and Twitter, Twitter, Scoops a Robot, and he'll give you a smiley face. <laughs> if you have a feeling down, go ahead and Twitter, Scoops a Robot. He'll, he'll give you a smiley face, make you feel better. See, if you want to follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Atacron. And if you want to follow Fangamer, it's just Fangamer. That's uh, pretty easy. Um, we haven't got a review for a while, so if you want to leave us an iTunes review, we really appreciate it. It makes it more findable in the search results. Um, it's just good to hear feedback. Or if you want to send us an email, podcast at Fangamer.com. You should check out Office Cam on Fridays here at twitch.tv slash Fangamer where the whole Arizona and Tucson crew show, tells you what's going on behind the scenes with Fangamer. Hopefully there is a Fangamer news segment that you already heard earlier in the show, but if there's not, I'm going to just pretend that I'm just reiterating what you already heard, which is there is Link's Awakening merchandise that's inspired by that game coming from Fangamer in the near future. Um, can we get any... Can we get any... Uh... has to do with the Windfish... There's another one that has links specifically, but it's not. Uh, is there going to be a big grand by. reveal next episode? We'll find hopefully, secrets. hopefully, we'll be able to show maybe some stuff, some pictures and things, so people get excited about that. Um, there's some other things, um, and then next show is we're going to finish up Game Club, but then the show after that, it's going to be a very important show. You should listen. It's going to be in two weeks. It's going to be some announcements. It's, it's going to be an important show. So show up for that. That's all I can say. So oh, signing up wait, for what? Fangamer wanna, Pocket. Oh, no. Can't. I want to I wanna know. I know. You, everybody wants to now. All right. I'm signing gonna up. have to listen to it then. Fangamer Podcast. In. I know. And you're not going to be on it. <laughs> Probably <laughs> for the better. This is Gary Rosa and Derek Alexander. Have a good evening, everyone. Take care, everybody. Bye. So you like shoes. Well, you better go to the shoe shoe store. Yeah, you like shoes, so you better go to the sock sock store. But what if you also like underwear too? Well, you better go eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, bitch. <laughs>